We can't let him live like this. Oh, Kitty, he'll be fine. I mean, compared to Korea, this place is Shangri-La wrapped in happy fun candy. <laughs> now, you look. You know I'd like to help him. We don't have the money. Well, I suppose we could call social services. Yeah, see, now that's sensible. Yeah, they'll know what to do. Yes. And after all, they take thousands of cases every year. So many, in fact, that they have to house them in gymnasiums. Kitty! With no heat. Gun Damn it! I am tired of being Santa Claus! <laughs> Steven, you get your together and you get your ass in Gun damn car. Gun damn it! Move it! Okay. You are just the sweetest man alive. segment of Gundam at MAHQ is brought to you by Petco. Welcome back to episode 77 of Gundam at MAHQ. In this episode, I am joined by my co-hosts, Neo. Hello. And of course, Chris. Hello. <laughs> we're going to have an extended segment this episode, um, and we're going to be joined by... I can be extended if we have one topic. <laughs> it, it's extended from its usual size. We're only going to focus on one segment today, but oh, it's going to be longer than your average on. segment. So I like to call those extended segments. And um, <laughs> in this segment, we are joined by the the, the, the the prime minister of anime of Canada, our favorite uh, lolly lover. That's right. Peter, a.k.a. Destiny Gundam. He joins us for the uh, well, upcoming actually, segment. Actually, Pedal Bear North. Yeah. Pedal Bear North is uh, yeah. what everybody knows. He's one, of the, uh, he's one of the directional Pedal Bears. We still haven't found East or West. We haven't found them yet. I'm sure if we did a, a talent search, we could find them. Well, if, if, what if, would happen if all four combined together? The what Earth would, would explode <laughs> and take the sun with it. <laughs> One of these days. That's how the world will end. They, they, they would be the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Hey, the Mayans foretold it. Oh, my God. And there shall be four men that love... There shall be four pedo bears. <laughs> there, there shall be four pedo bears. Nice. And they will bring on disease and pestilence to the lands. <laughs> yes. Fire that rain down from the skies. And naked underage girls will <laughs> rain down upon the cities. And bless everybody with their DFCs. And it's like, oh my God. My Lord. 
But um, he joins They us. will rub their DFCs together to generate fire. <laughs> he joins Chris in, in, a, in a review of the Super Robot Wars. Well, he joins uh, us, too. We're there, too. Well, we're here, too. But uh, we, we, we provide commentary on the, uh, on the discussion about Super Robot Wars Original Generation, The Inspector. The follow-up to uh, the first uh, TV anime series, uh, Divine Wars. But um, before we get into that, mm-hmm. I'm going to toss the mic over to our newscaster, Neo, for some uh, some fresh, crisp news. Hit him with it, Neo. Well, before I begin, mm-hmm. there's some great news. Uh, before I go into the listener-submitted topics, I always thank all the folks for uh, posting all of their uh, articles in the Neo's listener-submitted news articles thread in the Mechatalk forum mm-hmm. in the Gundam section. But before that, there's some things of newsworthiness that I need to, uh, to address. First is America. Oh, you mean you, you must be talking about the royal wedding? No, it was so good, man. Come on, well, dude. that's the only wait, news. Wait, wait, to, wait to blow my news. <laughs> my first thing is America. Did you see that dress, son? Did, did you DVR that, son? Oh my god. Well, well first on is America because we we killed we killed somebody and it got cool. But yeah, I was going to address the royal wedding, but not in the way that you were going to. That's all that matters. It. Okay. What 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 else could possibly? And and and, possibly. This, and and the only reason why I talk about this is because I am a a, a semi weekly. Uh, newscast, <laughs> so I'm not able to do up to date and uh, breaking news. You're a bi-weekly news newscaster. <laughs> bi-weekly, yeah, um, yeah. The royal wedding. That was. Uh, I actually, I, I actually, it was kind of intriguing to watch. And stunning, I, son. I felt kind of sad because you sit there and you see a country. It's like holding on to the vestiges of when they were once great. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, this is kind of sad, isn't it? Oh, but um, oh, damn. <laughs> um, sorry, uh, British fans. Oh, um, I mean, man, we didn't mean that. But. Uh, <laughs> I'd have to say, um, every day I see Prince William, he looks more and more like Prince Charles. Oh! And um, I think you married the wrong Middleton, because the uh, the sister the sister's hotter. And you talking about Pippa? Is that her name? Pippa. Yes. Yeah, she was freaking smoking. Hey, Amen. And 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 is photographed taking her clothes off at uh, wild parties. So really. Consistently what, what, so. what website is this? Well, you need to hit the Google Images. My, I need to go. I didn't. I didn't know this. Well, she oh, seemed yeah. like she seemed like the only chick that uh, showed up there that um, knew what a tanning bed was. Hey, she didn't look all pasty, and she was uh, a little Jersey Shoreish. Well, think, think think about the country that you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, the kind of pasty, and hey, um, but, but that, that's cool. Yeah, it was kind of interesting to see, and um, I would say, um, you know. It, it, it's, it was, it was kind of cool, even though it was kind of cartoony with them wearing these uh, military uniforms for things they don't even really have yet ranks for. It's Homie like, looked like the Red Comet, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, if the Red Comet Wheels. had bad teeth and had a receding hairline. And his brother kind of looked like Armorowish a little bit, man, with the, with the old perm, his, man. I actually think his brother is cooler than he is. He kind of is. It looks like right. I could sit at the pub with uh, Prince Harry more than I could sit with this. There you go. But the one thing I, I had to say, Party I sitting, where sitting, is any of this going? <laughs> well, no, it's getting to what the most. What podcast Im- is this? It's, it's the most important thing. All right, go I ahead. I watched when they did a flyover with their planes, mm-hmm. and I thought it was kind of cool that they used like World War II planes to do the first flyover. That was pretty cool. Work. Then, they, then they used their modern jets, but they didn't buzz the crowd. <laughs> See, if you're in America, when we have flyovers like a you know like the Rose Bowl or the Super Bowl or something like that, we fly like directly over the crowd where mm-hmm. it's like you know maybe a thousand feet above them mm-hmm. and we hit the afterburners they didn't do that okay maverick <laughs> and 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 this and this and this is why um you know i, I thought that was i thought that was terrible and um you know 
But yes, the moniker you're sleeping. Yes, it is. Well, it's not even that. It's just like if you're going to do a if if you're going to do a flyover, do it with some style. Just don't do it as a lame ass flyover. That was pretty weak. Well, so, damn. sorry, British fans. I'm sure you'll hate us now. But um, uh, first news article here, and this is from a poster I've never seen before, Nick Azumi, and. Um, why, why, why do you say it's all, like, mysterious and, hey? I didn't say it like that. <laughs> yeah, you did. He was concentrating hey, on that post, pronunciation. Poster I've never seen before. I'm flicking over to the tab on the Internet Explorer here, so it's <laughs> called a easy segue. But we'll um, remember the announce? You remember uh, Gundam 00 the movie, Awakening mm-hmm. of the Trailblazer? Remember we were trying to figure out who the trailblazer, trailblazer and who, was? And who why, woke up? If he woke up, is he going to get woken up? Oh, yeah. Why is he getting woken up? <laughs> well, you can find that all out in um, July 5th of this year. Really? That's the release date. Yep. Oh, snap. Yeah. So now, uh, I don't know why they it? didn't do it on the I don't know why they didn't do it on the 4th, mm-hmm. but I I guess since we don't own that Bandai, so <laughs> I would do it on the 4th. But um yeah, check that out. So and and that's going to be on Blu-ray. Word. So uh, you'll be able to watch that, but not the series. So, <laughs> well, we still have DVD. Thank you, Mr. Nikazumi, for your um, submission. Next one here is from uh, poster Gundam Type Zero, and uh, this is actually in you know perfect. This is a perfect time to hear about this. Mm-hmm. This comes from the Anime News Network, and uh, if you're going on a cruise, if you're vacationing this this uh, this summer, and you go on a cruise, there are now Gundam Hawaiian shirts. So you can have some cruise wear. And nothing says cruise wear more than a Hawaiian moss shirt with a, uh, with a camouflage Zaku on it. Oh, man. That, I, that is ultimate cruise wear. If I only see someone wearing that on Hawaii Five-0. <laughs> so when you're at the captain's table having the captain's dinner on the, you know, the last night of the cruise that mm-hmm. you're on, um, you'll see some guy off in the corner with a Zaku camouflaged um, uh, Hawaiian shirt, so nice. That's nice. Yeah, Hawaii, uh, Hawaii Five O. That's 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 some stylish. That, that's very that's stylish. Very stylish. <laughs> so, um, but uh, another thank you, Mister Gundam Type Zero, for your submission. Another one here is from Karudo, mm-hmm. and uh, someone remember a couple. Oh, was it about a year ago now? The guy that burned down his house. Good lord. Uh, for um. You know, because his mom threw out his gunpla. How could we forget? Yeah. Well, it gets better. And uh, this is from the Sankaku Complex. And (laughs) (laughs) some guy kept his, uh, for the past 30 years, he's he's kept his, for the last three years, he's kept his mom's corpse buried so he can collect her pension to fund his plamu hobby. Is this going to be the first uh, the first wow. story that you talk about on uh, Laplace's blocks, Chris? <laughs> uh, you, you'd have to ask Andres about that since I'm part uh, of that show. Uh, oh Plamu addiction. It sounds like a <laughs> sounds like a bad thing. But um, yeah, this um, the corpse of his 80 year old mother was discovered in the kitchen of their home, sealed in a vacuum bag. So he used one of those vacuum, you know. What is it? Set it and forget it, or whatever. Those like this. Wow. Those Set it right? and forget it. What are those, commer- what are those infomercials where they like? Wait, they, they do the, yeah, they do the um, the vacuum things. Mm-hmm. It's like you can keep steaks in this thing, and they're fresh forever. <laughs> well, I guess mom was fresh forever. 
Yeah, he uh, succeeded in pilfering, get this, eighty to $110,000 because of her pension. And um, her corpse was discovered on a kitchen shelf still in the, uh, the bag. Wow, that is absolutely... That <laughs> Explaining is- why he uh, did this, this is, his, this is his words, quote, My mother's pension was the only source of income. I needed the money, so I kept claiming the pension after she died. I used the money to cover my living expenses and to spend on my hobbies and buy plamu. <laughs> oh, clearly this guy is, is the very definition of both a hikikomori and a neat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I'm speechless. Oh, my God. And actually, they go on a little bit talking about how this seems to be uh, kind of a trend in Japan where I'm sure it happens here in the States, too, where mm-hmm. people keep their um, keep the bodies and, and don't claim that their relatives oh, are yeah, it happens all the time. to collect their, their pensions because um, they're talking about. Um, but um, so, you know, that's uh, that's that's definitely very interesting. So um, thank you, Mr. Caruto, for your. Um, uh, submission there and um, that is crazy before I go to the next story I just want to let people know if you're going to give me an article if you're going to give me the link to it mm-hmm. uh, give me something that's not written in Japanese because as you know I can't I can't pronounce <laughs> Japanese so I will read it I will read it so no, that's reaching even though <laughs> Mr. Nin Shadow or, or Nine Inch Shadow is um, Inch I, I like Shadow. to talk about the uh, the Earth Federation or Neo Zeon Windbreakers. Yeah, giving me a a link to a, a site that's in Japanese doesn't really help because um, yeah, it's not gonna. It doesn't work that well. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's thanks. daunting to say the least. Yes, <laughs> it, it it's uh, it's it's very daunting. Mm-hmm. So um, thank you for that submission, but um, just just little little thing for the future for folks. Uh, next article here is from Mr. Nasty Nate, and this is from the Cosmic Era blog. And uh, to celebrate the 15th anniversary of a show, um, I don't know if we really like Gundam X. <laughs> Wasn't very good. Um, Verdict's still up there. there some, never, never heard of it. <laughs> never heard of it. Uh, there were some two new illustrations uh, drawn by character designer Nobuyushi Nishimura. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, check out the link because they're, they're actually kind of cool. And, um, you know, uh, definitely would be nice maybe to get a follow-up one of these days for that show. But, you know, I'm not going to hold my breath, nor should I. So um, At least we got the manga follow-up. but Yeah, which it. wasn't bad. I, I read the first volume. Mm-hmm. I never finished it off, but it um, seemed okay. Yeah. A little different take. But um, thank you, Mr. Nasty Nate, for your submission there. And the last article here is from Awesome78. All right. And uh, this uh, Akira movie seems to be like a reoccurring uh, nightmare <laughs> in everybody's uh, things here. We're charting and, its progress with yeah, every Neo's my news. Yeah, God. And um, I, this is uh, coming from uh, NewYorkMag.com. Mm-hmm. I guess um, one of Chris's favorite actors, uh, Keanu Reeves, he's, uh, he's big. <laughs> he's... Uh, Begun talks about starring in a live-action adaptation of Akira. Oh, get out of so, town! So, um, just <sighs> add him. Just add him to the long list of um, <laughs> people that are probably going to go back and forth. Mm. As I yeah. feel, and, and, and yet to wonder, um, how does this work? Him being, you know, so laid back, old. Yeah, that's like too. almost fifty, or is fifty now. <laughs> Which, Some somewhere saying. 
somewhere George Takai is saying, oh my. <laughs> oh my. Oh my, they've done it again. <laughs> okay, he's, he's 46. He's 46? Um, I don't see how that can work as the rumor says that, that yeah. he's being put in as Canada. Yeah. I can't see him being. I can the, see him as the general. I can't see him being. I can't even see him being the general. I was about to say, it's like I can't even see him being and, the general. And at you all. have to wonder, is he like <laughs> token consideration uh, against the uh, the cries of whitewashing because he is part Asian? Yeah, yeah. I don't like, know. oh, we we better get in some uh, somebody with some Asian in there. Oh, Keanu Reeves. So what are they gonna do? They're gonna age all these characters up. To, to, That's a to, hell of an aging. That is, man. It's like that is that is. Have we talked about reaching before. <laughs> well, um, I say like, who's who's going to be Canada? Daniel Day Kim. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> or, or or Tetsuo. It's like does the be opposite of him? I, I don't know. Um, it's it's no. I, I they have to make up a character. It's going to be a bunch there. of old bastards. <laughs> Pretty much. It's going to be like Sean Connery as Tetsuo, <laughs> Anthony Hopkins as. Uh, as Canada, there you go. Hey, Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> well, he's, his career is really taking a dump. But so, he's thank Odin. you, thank you, Mister Awesome seventy eight, for your uh, submission there. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to thank all the people that have uh, given us submissions to the newest listeners submitted news articles. Without you, uh, I don't know where I'd be at this point. So I'd like to thank everybody. Got her somewhere. Oh, <laughs> with uh, with Dennis probably because you know all of us. Uh, all of us uh, award-winning newscasters, we like the booze, the chicks, and the smokes. <laughs> so, but um, before we move on to our first segment today, uh, Chris has been telling us that the old Postmaster General, mm-hmm. old Mr. UPS, Mr. FedEx, has uh, left a lot of things in his doorstep there. So, um, without further ado, we will go over to uh, Sir Chris with his rendition of The Mailbag. Sir Chris was was I knighted at the wedding and didn't notice it? Yeah, same with me. I was I was knighted too. Oh well, well shit. So, I better start using that as a pickup line. I'll be like, you know, I am a British knight, even Sol- though I'm Sol- not British. Sol- Solbro was given the uh, the title of Court Jester for the House of Windsor. Of course, I can shuck and jive in front of. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, black guy, give us more of that award-winning stuff. Yes, sir, Mister Master. Yeah. Yes, sir, Mister Charlie. <laughs> yes, sir, Prince William. <laughs> I sure do like shining these shoes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I believe in uh, Song of Ice and Fire, the uh, the series that uh, Game of Thrones is based on. Mm. There's there's a lot of court jesters. Um, I think there's one called Patches, if I remember right. correctly, um, who's who's described as a a, a lackwit. Oh damn! I love that word. And there's another one I believe is called Moon Dancer, <laughs> who also I believe is a lackwit. So you could you could be that. And who Sweet. started off black and became white, right? Moon Dancer. Hi hi hi. No. Well, at least, right. at least as long as his name's not Moon Cricket. Moon All right. Uh, our first question comes from Zabi Must Die, who clearly uh, is a Zeon loyalist with mm-hmm. that name. No doubt. Uh, he says, I've been enjoying and exploring different types of mecha games. So what are your favorite types? The brawler type in Dynasty Warriors Gundam? No. The awesome style of ZOE2? The strategy RPG stylings of Front Mission and Fist of mm-hmm. Mars? Maybe the squad-based combat of Zeonic Front, or lastly, the fighting genre fun of Gundam Battle Assault. Hey, man, you, 
How could you not mention Super Robot Wars? What's up hey, with that, man? Completely left that out. <laughs> I mean, I know you mentioned SRPGs, but how could you not mention Super Robot Wars? Damn. Yeah. So um, I'm not sure what uh, how, how how you categorize awesome style. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, what, what do you guys what do you guys have comments on in the, the wide world of mecha video games? What do you well, like? I will put it to this way. If mm. anybody is a friend of mine on PSN or uh, Xbox and you'll look at my game things, mm-hmm. don't play a lot of mecha games, surprisingly enough. Um, I well, it's, play... not like, it's not like we get that many over here. Yeah, but even <laughs> still, I mean, um, even, I mean I've liked the, the, the Battle Assault games because they're just kind of beat-em-ups. You know, kind of, oh, it's cool playing 2D fighting with, um, you know, with robots. Um, right. But... I, you know, some of the games like Front Mission and all that, really not that big into. So, kind of more like watching the stuff more than playing it. So, I know, I know wish, you wish, wish I could give you a little bit better thing, but it's just really not my cup of tea. I know you had some issues with Armored Core. Oh God, you had, you had Armored Core Four answer. Yeah, it's too much. Yeah, it was. It, I mean, I, I guess you don't want to play. On if that, I wanted on that to tune up level. something, I just buy a souped-up car and tune it up in my freaking garage. Oh, you play some Forza? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not even that. It's just it was too much. It's like mm-hmm. the stabilizer that it's the back part, and it. it's like, what does this even do? It's like I just want to. I have a robot. I have a mass a weapon of mass destruction. Want to kill people? I want to kill other robots and people. Yeah. How how hard is this? I mean, I'm not I'm not I'm not you're not a tech head basically. I, yeah, well, yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. even that. Yeah. I'm a simple man. You're I know a, what I want. I'm a simple man. You give me explosions, things that explode and the power to explode things. Mm-hmm. I'm good with that. Well, well said, sir. Well said. Soul I can, bro, off to you. I, I can see how those games could have a, an appeal though. Um at least to those who who do like uh the nymph details that come with uh, as we as we knew, Sobro will be running for office in no, 2012. No, I, 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 like, I, like, I like Armored Core for you that reason, but that I don't play them <laughs> personally. Go I used on. to own the first two on the old PlayStation One years ago, but um, I just I just couldn't I couldn't take all the detail. Yeah, <laughs> it's too much. I did like um from from software though. They did put out another game on the Dreamcast called Frame Grind that came out um only in Japan on the Dreamcast. And um, I thought that game was really cool. It was kind of like a uh, Escaflone type mechs that you got to um, upgrade and and, Long and, and it was pimp an out. Escaflone type story. <laughs> Not much of a story in the game, but it was it was it was really cool. Um, other than that, I guess the the genres I like in uh, mech games are shooters. Uh, I was going to mention that there are some games that came out recently that are. Hey man, you mentioned the Dreamcast and not a word about Tech Romancer. Yes, I'm, so, dude. Thank you for call. Thank you for calling me out on that. Tech Romancer was absolutely awesome. A fighting game, which is definitely my 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 favorite genre, and um, it had so many homages to different mecha shows that we talked about. Doing that in Mortal Kombat. <laughs> you keep talking about Mortal Kombat. <laughs> well, you're you're a game, you're a fighting game aficionado. I thought I, you would I'm have a, a fighting, good review on that. Hey, hey, uh, like I said, I, I'm I, thinking about buying it. I just wanted to know what a fighting game guru would would say about that type. It's of a game. good. He game. only gets done on his knees for Capcom. <laughs> I understand that. And, and SNK. Thank you. Um, no, but, but, both both, both kneecaps have a C that are that are calloused <laughs> in from being on the on their knees. MK's a good game. I'll get it someday. But um, you know, Tech Romancer was outstanding. I, I I went through that game with every character. Um, it's a fighting game, and um, of course, and it's got homages to almost every uh, 
um, major mech series that have come out in the last couple decades, Macross, Gundam, um, Magans or Z, you, you name it, uh, there, there, are, there are mechs in there that, um, that are similar to those. And um, if you missed it, try to find it some way, shape, or form. It, it's produced by Shoji Kawamori, and it's a lot of fun. It's, Dreamcast is like 15 years old. Hey, man, there's ways. There's ways. I, 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 what, the emulators, that place, whatnot. That, that place in Hawaii. That, exactly, that place in Hawaii. Yeah. To, toys and joys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, um, the other genres I enjoy are um, shooters. Huh? Gus's inventory. <laughs> you talking about Cybertron video games? <laughs> if you're lucky. Um, I like shooters. Also, uh, um, there's, shooters, oh, there, like there's a couple, there's a couple oh. shooters that ha- feature mecha, like um, Bongayo, which uh, just came out on Xbox Live. Which uh, makes no sense to me whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> I guess, Why the hell you have like Japanese-style mech games coming out on, on Xbox? What the, what the hell? That makes no freaking sense. That's just wrong and stupid. And it sucks. Treasure, treasure seems about mobile favor. Uh, you like that game, right? Mobile Ops is good. <laughs> <laughs> you bastards. <laughs> um, How's that yeah. demo of Mobile Ops? <laughs> it, it didn't work out if you guys didn't know. Um, other shooters that uh, I played recently that are mech-related are Astrania, the Stellar Machine, which also came out on uh, Xbox Live. And Yars, Reve- Yars Revenge just got remade. Um, and there's a lot of uh, mech um design in that that that's really cool it's it plays a lot like panzer dragoon which i thought was a uh, always a good game there's a game that's coming out soon that's a, a first person shooter much like uh mobile ops was that is uh, it's a de- in development by a uh, independent team um if you go to youtube look up uh, this uh, game it's called hawken h-a-w-k-e-n the game looks remarkable and it's only in its development stage right now you should play a stephen hawking in his chair <laughs> and you have to save the world from the uh from the menace of the uh, blah, 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 blah aliens. Yeah. No, I, I, that game that looks... That man's got a badass chair. He does, man. And apparently he, turned it in, he turns it into a mecha in the future. In the Steam... In, in, uh, in the... Um some kind of a uh, cyberpunk-esque future, but it, it the the visual look of that game and the gameplay in that game looks remarkable. If you find um, the videos on YouTube, it's a game that's in development right now. I'm assuming it's coming out for PC right now, but it may come out for consoles. They haven't decided yet. But um, if you don't know about it, check that out. Uh, it's it's something to watch over the next couple of years as they develop it. But um, yeah, those are the genres. Uh, I, I another I guess there's kind of a pseudo genre, or I would say a, a merge genre of fighting. And um, just beat 'em up combat that I do enjoy for mech games. Um, a game in particular that I'd like to name is uh, uh, Gundam vs. Zeta Gundam, uh, which came out on the PS2, which was an arcade port. That that game stands out to me as one of my favorite favorites when it comes to uh, mecha video games. And of course, Super Robot Wars. That um, that still is always a standout series when it comes to uh, strategy RPGs. Is that it? That is it, sir. I thought Peter like uh, like uh, possessed his body for a second. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, maybe I just, just I just just, just say, later on. say one words and sentences. <laughs> yes, just if you can speak in grunts. Yeah, exactly. One grunt for yes, two for no. Acceptable. Mm-hmm. For soul, bro. Mm-hmm. Me like. <laughs> Me right. no like game. <laughs> Not <laughs> enough Capcom. All, all, all your all your answers <laughs> from this point on are in Hulk speak. Hulk. No, drunk Hulk speak. Drunk Hulk speak, yeah. <laughs> Capcom? No Capcom? No like. Robot! No like, no Capcom. No Street Fighter makes Sobra angry! You wouldn't like me angry. <laughs> All right, next question, Chris. All right. Wait, wait, I haven't even answered the question myself. Well, fire away, I thought, I thought Sobra answered it for you. Uh. <laughs> 
you'd think, and for five other people too. Word. <laughs> uh, I've made it quite clear I'm not a fan of Dynasty Warriors. It's just repetitive shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gundam games are very hit or miss, but I do like the Capcom versus series because it's so arcadey. Yeah. And, and that's what makes it fun. Yes, indeed. Doing all these crazy arcadey things. I do like Super Robot Wars. Uh, similar to it, you know, in the whole like SRPG. I did play a little bit of the first front mission that was remade for DS. That was pretty cool. Not big into like the super duper ultra realistic type simulators. Mm-hmm. Like Armored Core with like a zillion parts that you have to like buy and customize for your mecha. That's not really my thing. <laughs> um, so, so I lost this battle because of bat, one bad 50 credit piece. <laughs> I mean, really? I lost this battle because of one bad component that cost 50 credits? There's other arcade uh, games that are fun too, like uh, Virtual On. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh yeah, that's a very that good game. series. Yes, another Sega series that uh, we didn't mention. Uh, that's about it. Back when Sega was good. Oh, and of course, uh, since it's it, it, the awesome style of Zone of the Enders, because there's there oh, should yeah. be mecha games like that. Yes, and your name is Dingo. And um, Dingo Egret. Yeah, <laughs> and make all, that up. And if we all had the chance to play it, I'm sure we'd all like uh, uh, Mobile Suit Gundam uh, Bonds of the Battlefield. But um, we, alas, do not have that here in America. Oh, and then, of course, how could you forget uh, Mobile Ops, the one-year war? Oh, you bastard. <laughs> the, the, the most greatest, awesomest game ever. It's a guaranteed system seller. Oh, wait, it didn't come out here, did it? Oh. The, the one that was going to change the view of mecha gaming in America. It and the Western In the Western world. Um, Yay. Yeah. Didn't work out that way, did it? Uh, Zoppy Must moon. Die also asks, I'd like your opinions on model kits versus Rebel Tech. I have been waiting for the release of some ZOE kits, but no luck so far. I am, however, excited about the Jehudi Rebel Tech that is coming out. Have a preference? Like Rebel Tech at all? Thank you, guys. Love the show. You will see the tears of time. I get oh. the impression that, that Zoppy Must Die is, is a big Zone of the Enders fan. I'm not sure about that. but Well, I'd have to say my answer <laughs> for this question would be, Wait for the first episode of Laplace's Box because I'm sure they'll go into that even better than the three of us could do. <laughs> but that's well, just that's just my talk. Yeah, that that's just you being evasive. Yes, <laughs> punting. Well, not even punting. I'm, I'm, it's called cross marketing, douchebag. <laughs> douchebag. <What? laughs> <laughs> you suddenly get some accent here. What's going hey, on? Hey, man? what's up? Hey, somebody's, hey. somebody's been watching Whoa, the Sopranos Chrissy. again. <laughs> Hey, I'm in waste management, you know? <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm with the Pipe Fitters Union. The Pipe Fitters Union? <laughs> oh, the Pipe yeah. Beaters. That's it. That's the ticket. Uh, Sobro, any comments on model kits versus Rebel Techs? I like all, all the models you built. Hey, I, I, I built a few. Thanks, I, Jose. I, I, <laughs> you bet. <laughs> God, it, it, it is roast me today, man. That <laughs> anything. Woo, son. Um, I, I like Rebel Techs because well, you admitted that you didn't build some of them. <laughs> yeah, some of them I did not. I would not have the skill. Um, but yeah, the, I love the posability of Rebel Techs. But if I was to make a a a, a choice uh, as to preference, um, definitely model kits. I I, I do enjoy the uh, experience of putting them together, the ones I can, uh, <laughs> or the experience of watching somebody put them together. Hey man, that that that, that, that can be that can be kind of interesting too to be showing how it's done. But yeah, model kits Dance always for be me, bitch. Oh, always build be for my me, first bitch. choice. <laughs> <laughs> I have uh, no particular preference. Uh, yeah. I do like Rebel Techs. 
And you can be sure I would be picking up the Jehudi Rebel Tech because, uh, yeah, I don't see us getting any Zone of the Enders model kits unless, um, you know, the mythic never announced but always demanded Zone of the Enders 3 comes out. Then maybe you'll see something. <laughs> so our next question comes from Animalia, who asks, What effect do you think the death of General Rebel during the one-year war contributed to the decline of the Federation after the war? Because it seems to me that he was the one holding the Federation together during the war. Well, he certainly was a, an iconic figure and uh, you know, looked up to by a lot of people and certainly not one of your typical like Federation assholes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if a guy like him had stuck around to uh, Vaughn after the war, then maybe there wouldn't have been so many creeps in charge and maybe we wouldn't have ended yeah. up with... Uh, you know, jerks like the Titans existing. Or you might have had the Titans, but in, like, a different way. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I don't know. More yeah. like Londo Bell? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the kind of thing I get, where he was looking more at the big picture than just for a simple power grab. And, you know, the because, like you said, it seemed like General Revel actually, he believed in the whole thing, you know, trying to unite humanity and get all this crap done where all these other guys like bask and all of them, they're just looking for a power grab just so they can, you know, become the man. Yeah. So. Plus he actually believed in the concept of new types. That yeah. too. Yeah. Well, there's many backstabbers that there well, are. There, there's how much speculation that he was possibly one himself. I mean, there's, there's always that thing of, what is it? He had the headache before they got freaking roasted. Yeah. Yeah. So. You can get the, you get, you get the gist, you get the feeling that he was one. But, um, with as many backstabbers as there were in the Federation, it's amazing how a guy with that strong of a moral compass could move up <laughs> in the Federation and, and well, you know run why? it for so he long. Won battles. In yeah. a time of war, it's like he won battles. So it's they had, they had to bring him up. It's amazing. His own people didn't betray him, you know, somewhere along the line, um, before, you know, his, he met his demise. But no, he, he's really still the, uh, the standout, uh, leader of the federation that i don't think he ever was uh i don't think he ever was uh rivaled by anybody else and um uh yeah well, it, bright yeah bright but bright bright kind of takes a back seat you know you know it's like even when he runs londo bell you know you hear people talk of him but not in the same reverence as they talk about rebel like rebel you know he's just he's like winston churchill in a, in a sense the, i don't you know, necessarily know if i agree with that because you after mobile suit, I, you don't really hear like saying, "Oh, what would General Rebel do?" Yeah, I, I, mean, I just nobody was saying that in Zeta got him or anything. Maybe because just... he looked like Santa Claus. I, I... <laughs> probably why. <laughs> or Burl Ives. You, you, know, you, you were, you were, you were yeah. thinking of Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. Hell yeah, dude, let's roll with it. Like, it's like, oh my god, <laughs> gave the miracle to the Federation. Not only will broke. he win the battle, but he'll bring you presents. Nah, he was a standout leader, and um, his General his... Rebel. All I want is a train set this <laughs> Christmas. Uh, when he died, his, his, the 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 shockwaves went through the Federation slowly but surely. Uh, if if he was around during the um the Grips War, I, I don't think you would have seen the the Titans rise up or anything like that. But that's my opinion. All right, and let's move on. Our next one is a comment from Matthew Grawbadger, who says, Dear Gundam, I write to inform you of a momentous occasion and chance for reflection on your legacy. As I write this, episode 73 has been published and brought the total running time of all 91 Gundam publications to 7 days and 22 hours. Good oh my If God. you stay true to form in episode 74 and rattle and chug for two and a half, Sometimes inane, often badly researched, but still interesting hours about ancient and modern Japanese cartoons. You can say with pride you devoted more than eight full days of your lives to the spiritual and cultural betterment of mankind in general and the 
generations who have come after you in particular. Thanks largely to your efforts and reviews of older cartoons, there's at least one Irish 19-year-old with a now lifetime addiction to legged and armed planes capable of carrying over 100 torso-sized Budweiser missiles. (laughs) From the bottom of my pasty, red-headed heart, and on behalf of the fringe younger listeners in the non-American Anglophone world, thank you for your time and effort and your fortitude in continuing after years in the sights of an absolute shower of nameless, venomous and frankly base retards. Sincerely, <laughs> Matthew. Oh, I, don't, I don't know how to feel about that comment. It's like Hey, who's, who's inane and, and badly researched you, Mick? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. All, all my things are fact-checked. I have a staff yeah, of we'll see about that, see? I have a staff of, of hundreds behind me. Woo. Fact scene. We'll see about that. Yeah. Still oh, like badly researched. I'll show you what's what. Already. Hey, hey, if you want to go, I'll bring you to. I'll, I'll bring you down to Florida, and you have to battle your ultimate enemy, the sun. You <laughs> pasty bastard. <laughs> no <laughs> comment. No, I, I, the, the, man. <laughs> the, the amusing wording thereof. I think that was that, that was an, that was an so awesome. That's what it is. Yeah, the response. Irish like to mess with you because yeah, it was do. like it was like no 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 more than you have like a comment, but then in some ways you feel like you're getting like like chastised or criticized. It's like thank we you. But it's like hey, hey man, he's Irish. He's got it hard enough. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> but no, then, uh, I guess it could be worse. It could be Australian. Hey, hey man. So, that, mm-hmm. Anyway. That was an awesome, retort, <laughs> awesome response. Thank Moving you. On. Thank you for that, Matthew. Our next comment uh, comes from The Gatekeeper, who has two questions. Mm-hmm. First is, what do you think of my new movie idea, Chris's Counterattack? Chris can be Char, Neo could be Amuro, and Sobro could be the real rock guy. Seriously? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, mofos are on a roll today. Yeah. Just... <laughs> Trolling non it's the Troll Express. Oh, that is a real rock. Oh, oh, oh watch me explode. Well, at least you make it through ha- m- most of the movie. Oh, sure. <laughs> it, it, you could have been one of the guys in like the beginning battle sequence. First Still, I'm, it's just like, first let I'm me cor- crash into this mm-hmm. this rock that may or may not be real. How dumb can you be? Well, not only <laughs> that. Too late. Oh, it's a real rock. Oh. Well, not only that. It's like, okay, guys. I, I got this feeling of taking a movie, put you guys in there. Two of you guys will be the main characters, and one will be just some supporting guy that mm-hmm. just we get some cheap laughs off of. <laughs> like, damn. Man. Well, at least I hope the Soul Bro Defense Force will respond on this one. Wow. The <laughs> second question is, what do you think of mecha slash sci-fi physics? You know, the scientific explanations for what the machines do, such as one of my personal favorites, Full Metal Panic with the black technology and Gundam. Gundam, those Minoski physics. Yeah. Please mention FMP because I really don't hear you speaking about it that often. Thanks and keep killing those trolls. Um, Slaying them. It's, it's all made up nonsense. It's gobbledygook. It's, yeah. you know, as long as it sounds like not too crazy, I really don't mm. care because Same here. You, know, you talk about Star Trek, you talk about Gundam, you talk about all it's, it's all made up nonsense. Who really cares? I mean, yeah. that's one of the, the cool. The less or, the better. It's it's, yeah. it's one of the cool and uncool factors of science fiction. You got the techno babble in Star Trek, which can be downright nauseating, and then you <laughs> you've got you've got the the little quips of uh of just technical advances that you get to hear about in Mobile Suit and other other series that um add to the storyline or the richness of the universe, and it just depends on how you spin it. Um, you know, it, it it can be cool concepts that sometimes become reality, or sometimes it can just be just so far out there that there's no way it just breaks all laws of physics. There's no way it could possibly happen. So 
Um, I guess it just depends on how it's how it's how it's related to the viewer or the or the reader. And um, if it's cool, it's cool. If it's not, it's not. All right. Um, any comments, uh, Neo? Um, no, he he said enough. If it's cool, it's cool. If it's All not, right. it's not. There you go. So say so saith. So saith the court jester. Yeah. So saith Solbro. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, our next question. You're a news because Jester. <laughs> if if it's a uh, if it's a mailbag, mm-hmm. then there's somebody who's asking a question, and can you guess who that is? Oh, oh man, Mulaflaga? How did you know? Oh man, psychic son. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Uh, so he's got only two questions this time. Oh, get out. Yes, very rare event. Only mm-hmm. two. <laughs> so first question. Okay, so we all know how well ZZ and Destiny are held in low regard in some fan bases' opinions as not being the best entries in comparison to the series before them, Zera Gundam and Gundam Seed. Right. Because <laughs> the T is next to the R on the keyboard, but that's oh, okay. Zera <laughs> Yes. Anyway, on a recent reading of MHQ's reviews of ZZ's episodes don't start to pick up until after about episode 15 or so, Mm. While Destiny from episode 37 or 38 onwards, the focus shifted to Kira and Co. I mean, if it had remained primarily with Shin, I think to an extent Destiny could have had some parts of it salvaged. So I think it's interesting the lesser UC series entry has 15 or so not-so-great episodes at the start, whereas Destiny was almost the opposite. What do you guys think of this observation? Well, you know, depends on your team. One of those shows you had Tamino, and one of those shows you had Flashback Fukuda and uh, his wife. So that's it. Yeah, I don't necessarily I think I would put the relationship of ZZ and Destiny as the same. Yeah, ZZ's got a lot of faults, but ZZ's pretty solid through the center part where I, I think for episode count, I think ZZ's probably a little bit more solid <laughs> than uh, Destiny is. And, I mean, I don't know. Not just, Tamino it, just, it's not a fair comparison. Yeah, it, it's kind of... And, th- and I'm not trying to be like a Tamino fanboy. I'm just saying... You're a Tamino fanboy! Yeah, I know. It, well, I just got the, I just got the shock. I, my shock collar just went off because Bandai heard what I said. <laughs> so as, as, a, as, a, as a ward of Bandai, I have to sit there and say Tamino is God. And, you know, but still by Destiny. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, I guess Tomino saw that uh, whatever, whatever changes he made to Double Zeta just weren't working out as well as um, he had hoped to, to kind of make that show a lighthearted show. So he had time to go ahead and uh, ramp it up a bit. While um, I guess with Destiny, man, it what just the hell it, happened. Yeah, I, I, they just lost control. Yeah. They they brought back so many of the old characters, and they were listening to uh, the fans that were watching. They're and reading they were, that new type uh, character poll too much every month. Yeah, and <laughs> it, it, it was that, that that show was just straight up fan service left and right, and it it made. The, the story suffered for it, and before they knew it, they had a story that they could not rein in. Before the God sh- the damn show it, ended. I said, I mean, yeah. I, will, I think Chris has said the same thing. Mm-hmm. Those first couple episodes, Dude. you're sitting there and you're like, "Damn, this is better than Seed." I remember when it's we like, were watching. Holy that. shit, this is awesome! Yeah, I remember when we were watching that shit. You know, week after week, it's like, man, this is great. What, what the hell's happening? Oh you know? no, that she's getting married. Dude, if, they, if you it was t- all, it's all the fault of the wedding crashers. Oh my Dude, if god! If you could time lapse us watching that show, yeah. <laughs> You see the look of despair on our faces just grow over time, yeah, and, then, and then, then, then by episode fifty-one or whatever, it, the nineteen different versions of that last episode, it was like, um, you know, it was just anger, and I wanted mm-hmm. to punch my television. Crazy loose ends still not tied up to this day. I, I don't have a problem with loose ends. It's just 
Mm-hmm. You know, Nobody cares. Let's move on. Don't Destiny, insult my. Yeah. Don't insult my intelligence. No doubt. <laughs> All right. His second question: If you guys had to form a team or join an MS squad, what series would it be, and what machine would you guys pick? If you could all decide on one model MS to pilot, for instance, Eighth MS team, the RX-79 Ground Gundam, or say a Zap mobile suit from Seed. On the other hand, if you really wanted, you could also do a selection of related machines. For instance, as part of a squad, the RX-78 Gundam. Chris, would you take the Gundam's mantle and leap into battle? Gun cannon. Solbro the awesome in-between support fire unit and gun tank for Neo, of course. What would you guys pick? Well, whatever we pick doesn't matter because I'm the only one who's going to survive. So, uh, Word. Well, <laughs> I don't know about that. But, um, I know what suit I would do is uh, I, would, I would pilot Hayakashiki. Hayakashiki, it's, huh? it's the brightest, boldest suit there is because if I'm going into battle, I want people to know that I'm there. When I get a Delta and, 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 no, and, I don't and, make, a Delta. It, and make it gold. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the Hayakashiki custom because we don't Delta. know what that guy's skills are. We don't know what this guy's really skills are. Yeah, that's true. So that's true. we know what shars are. That's true. Yeah, so bro. Uh, do we and, get and the no team lone wolf just like him? No team. Damn. Um, I'd probably go with as for team. I'd probably go with uh the the gang on uh Turn A Gundam. And um, since that series the couple, had what's that? Uh, Soshi's thing. Yeah, that big round ball thing. <laughs> That but goof, there, that was like junky leftover dude from Z- Double Zeta. There you go. <laughs> there you go. But I mean, that, that, that was like the most laid back crew out of all of them. And um, when it came to suits, since all sorts of ser- mechs were popping up from all sorts of Gundam series prior, um, I'd have, a, I have, I have my pick of uh, what I'd want. I'd, I'd hope I'd find a Zeta. <laughs> I, 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 I called this on the Zeta because I want to do Sirocco specials on all these bastards. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I had to pick and, and a... beam confuse, <laughs> beam confuse. Uh, that's the case. Then I'd probably go for the uh, the Mark II, the Mark II Gundam. Well, there's our team. There you go. There you go. All right. So we only needed one show. <laughs> I guess so. Our next question comes from Dalo. But I don't. Hey. I, don't I don't show up till halfway through. Who uh, he asks? Have you guys heard of the fan sung version of Do You Remember Love in English by Christina V? And if you have, what do you think of it? And he gives us a link, but we didn't click on it so you can mm-hmm. click on it yourself so Which i've seen fun. i've seen it actually um it, 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 it it's it's cool it's christina v christina v she's a she's she's a, one of those little, uh, little pop singer the yeah. crossover pop singers in english mm-hmm. oh okay asian she, she did a decent job with it i gotta say all right now his question is what are some moments in anime that stand out to you as iconic example the gundam shooting straight up in about a coup or in the final ep of gets sack where the major jumps off and fades to black. Uh, mm. That's pretty good right there, so I'll just cop out and go with those. <laughs> <laughs> um, iconic. Uh, I, I got to go back to uh, Mobile Suit Gundam, that, that sword fight um, between Amaro and Char. It stands out to me as just... Really? Iconic? Uh, yeah, because um, when, when do you see in the mech show where people fight with swords? It's very rare. It's either that or Turn A Gundam. <laughs> I mean, like, get out of the mech suit and just fight with swords. It just it always comes to my mind when it comes to uh, epic final battles. You know, granted, of course, you got the headless Gundam shooting upward, and that, that's, you know, in a picture, that is iconic. But um, those two fighting out in the, in the remnants of a Baku, man, that's... that's the stakes are stakes are high, man. I, I love that. I'll love throw in one just as a token effort. Um, mm. The image of uh, that that first Zaku jumping towards the Gundam yeah. and Amuro running the beam saber through its cockpit. Yeah, I, th- I think and it's just kind of to... frozen there in that pose of like. <laughs> that'd probably have to be second, to be honest with you, when it comes to that. 
I have I have one other that I'm pretty sure Neil will um will agree with. Uh, the death of Master Asia. The scene. Yeah. The scene where um. Well, not Dom only that, is, but I'd also say um. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it, how iconic it is. It's just it it's always it always sticks in my mind is the um the Valkyries in Gerwalk. Yeah. Because you've never seen anything like that, and you still haven't seen anything since then like that. That and that and uh, Kakazaki forgetting to go throttle up. I know something that's considered iconic is the big reveal in the first episode of Macross, where the uh, oh where, the, where, where uh, the Zentradi yeah, the, you get to see them for the first time and you realize they're much bigger than advertised. <laughs> and um, just when you get the, the the essence of size comparison, the the whole scale of the war finally hits uh, you know the main characters and 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 the viewer. You know they they've got an uphill battle to climb. Even with their uh, fancy mecha. All right, uh, is that it? And, and and I think Gohan beaten Cell one arm. There you go. <laughs> Sorry. All right. Uh, next questions come from the gatekeeper again. He says, uh, maybe you talked about this already, but what do you think of the Gits live action movie? Uh, I haven't seen it. Well, we 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 have uh, talked about it, and uh, you know, my my answer is the same as with any proposed live action version of an anime depends on the team making it i thought you're i thought you were do it i thought that was your motto anime live action do it do it <laughs> i you know it, it's it's in the hands of spielberg so either go um you know with him directing it or it can go with uh michael bay directing it so uh i'd, I'd watch that what michael bay huh <laughs> well you know the major is going to be hot yeah that's true she that's won't be true. a butterface damn but she may have hammer thumbs oh Oh, but um, yeah, it's just, it's still up in the air, and I don't expect to see it happen until I, I start to see um, or start to hear that principal shooting has, has begun and, and see pictures from the set. Then I'll I'll believe it then. So uh, wait and see. I got a wait and see approach with that one. All right, uh, Neil. Yeah, I I don't know. I'd I'd have to wait to see it too. I you know there there's so much speculation about what's going to be what's being developed and what's not. It's mm-hmm. it you just would spin yourself crazy if you just sat there and worried or speculate on things that just aren't there yet so same thing all right uh number two he says i noticed in your solid state society review that you did not mention the major's sexy lab assistant form uh <laughs> sorry i was uh I, I was out i was outclassed by her sexy major kick-ass form there you go so which always trumps right. everything else yeah. <laughs> next question comes from Mechton GM, who says, I wanted to know the Gundam crew's opinions on differences between the Japanese and American depictions of space warfare in sci-fi, TV, and movies. Western productions seem to focus on the flashy explosions with space fighters zooming between battleships firing at point-blank range, i.e. Star Wars, Galactica, mm-hmm. where Eastern productions, though not focused on the pseudoscience of space, at least added for effect, such as battles at extreme range, galactic heroes, or the effects of time dilation from faster-than-light travel, Gunbuster. Even Gundam, to an extent, uses long-range bombardments, Shars counterattack, where the only way to see your opponent is through a telescope. Uh, I don't see any difference at all. It's, to me, exactly the same, because you have some productions, mm-hmm. both East and West, that are all about flashy explosions and cool moves and stuff like that. Yeah. Yes, and indeed. some that are just about pseudoscientific babbling. Yeah. And so to group one as being like an Eastern style and one as a Western style is to look for a distinction where there is none. Yeah. And 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 if you're gonna, I don't know what if you're grouping Star Wars and Galactica, 
maybe you're grouping the original Galactica series because I didn't really see that from the reimagined one. It was that was more like Star Wars, more, to be honest. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean that combat was kind of intense, but yeah. not for the fact of Flash. It was just you know it was just a bunch of regular. It wasn't lasers or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I agree with you. I don't. I don't know. In, if in the end, they both come down to pew pew lasers and shiny explosions. Word. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's, that's that's what space combat comes down to in almost every sci-fi, whether it's Japanese or American. Yeah, yeah. I don't think there's an Eastern or Western. I I, I didn't agree with that assessment. It's, it just it depends on who writes it, uh, and on that's on both sides of the both sides of the co- the coin. Um, both sides of the pond. Both sides of the pond. Indeed. Actually, the Pacific's larger than a pond. It's a lake. <laughs> All right, our next set of questions come from Paul83, who says, Hi, guys. Been listening to the show for a long time. This is the first time I've posted. Would like to say that you all do a great job with the show and Chris with the running of MHQ. His first question, after Unicorn finishes, would you like to s- the next Gundam show to be set in UC or one of the alternate universes or a whole new universe? Personally, I don't care what it's set in as long as it's good. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's a strong answer. And, and usually now they... They would probably do an AU. Yeah, uh, after that's, this. If I was a wager guess, I think they're going to go yeah. AU next, and then we could probably get, um, you know, um, what was it? Um, what was Nazi Gundam? I always forget what it's called. Oh, you're talking about Igloo? Igloo, <laughs> Igloo Three. <laughs> I always forget that one. It's like it left a lo- it left the most impression, but I forget what it's called. It's Let's just like, say Space Nazis. It's we'll like we'll oh, get it. <laughs> All right, number two, he asks. As we can see, the Space Fox is taking them boys there at Solomon. <laughs> but our boys fought back. Thank God. They had some secret weapon. The Zeeks had a secret weapon, and, but it was broken away by the old Gundam and the white base. Eh. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> Destination <laughs> of Albuquerque. <laughs> <laughs> number two, what are your, some of your favorite anime shows, movies that are not mecha or sci-fi based? We've answered. We've talked about this like a bunch. So yeah, we have. I'm just gonna sure. refer you to any episode prior to this one. Sorry. <laughs> Nanaha, Strike Witches. Yeah. Uh, number three. If you were to compare yourself to the UK top year hosts, who would be Clarkson? Who would be Hammond? And who would be May? <laughs> <laughs> this is a tough question. This is a tough question. More so between Chris and Neo than me. Because um, they say I'm James May. I, I like to fashion myself. You're not as smart as him, though. That's yeah, thing. see, there you go. I, I fashion myself more of a Richard Hammond. You know, just bigger and fatter. You'd be kind of a hybrid. <laughs> I, I, I've, got, I've got the I've got the talkativeness. You'd have like you'd have like May. the doting around of James May and the t- the talkativeness and like the the Wait, bland, with the some old the, bullshit of Richard the, Hammond. Yeah, the bland <laughs> BS and ignorance of Richard Hammond. There you go. There you go. I'm comfortable with that. I, You're welcome. I would say I'm probably a little bit more Clarkson, even though I don't have bad teeth and bad hair. <laughs> but um, and you're tall. Yeah, and and but I I, I think my um. My fascination with explosions is more than Chris, I would say. Oh, I like explosions, so I would also fashion myself uh, a <laughs> I <Clarkson>. don't know. <laughs> with the knowledge base of James May. Yeah. There you go. All right. Uh, next question comes from, oh, it's the gatekeeper again. Ho, ho. And, and he asks, do you consider gatekeepers a mecha anime? <laughs> I've never seen it, so I, I can't say. A I've, actually, bit. I've actually seen it. I've seen bits and pieces of it, and um, it does have mecha in it, so I, I can't It's I can't a sci-fi it. anime with mecha elements, yeah. I would say. No, I can't disqualify it at all. Yeah. 
we we've we've reviewed shows with less mecha in that than gatekeepers. So yeah. <laughs> to be honest, yeah, <laughs> it's true. it's it's definitely that up is there. True. <laughs> All right. Uh next question comes from Berserker Eight, who asks, Where has Pedal Bear North been hibernating? Well, he's coming out of his hibernation to, to come visit with us, so Get he's been in his, his lolly cave. Yeah, that's pretty appropriate for this episode, huh? Mm-hmm. In, indeed, even though it was asked almost a month ago. Well, <laughs> but anyway. Well, bears, they hibernate for what, like six months or something? Like I, that? Guess, right. I guess so. He's finally come to bears probably even longer. Who knows? Uh, our next questions come from Anubis, who asks, You guys seem to be regulars at cons. Have you guys ever cosplayed anything or have you wanted to cosplay anything? Have any memorable mecha-related cosplays you've seen? Ooh. Fat Char. <laughs> yeah, when you went to Comic Con, like '08, Fat Char. You ran yeah. into Fat Char, man, and yeah. y'all, you got your picture taken with him, man. That was awesome, dude. Yeah, I was still taller than thinner than he was. No doubt. Funny. I um, I cosplayed once in my life. Did you really? Once, and that was back probably in '01, and it wasn't even a mecha character. I cosplayed as a uh, Shingo Yubuki from uh, King of Fighters. Yeah, sadly, and, and it turned out to be as bad as it sounds. <laughs> <laughs> Those pictures, I burned them. <laughs> if you can find that picture, what did you well, just see your therapist and you feel like it's time to, to come complain. out with some of your dark secrets? Hey man, I'm just I'm being honest. It, it's out there. Please, please don't show it to me. I, uh, I'll post it on the boards. I've never done it mainly because I'm too lazy, and uh-huh. I'd rather just somebody make the costume for me. So, but if I was to do it, I've always said um, I, I'd like to either be. Um, Char down in like downtown Tokyo, mm-hmm. or coming off the plane as uh, General MacArthur, and <laughs> in, in, off uh, in the Tokyo airport. So any seamstress, I, I think that would go off well, huh? Hey man, any seamstress is listening. You you got you got the mission. Yeah, <laughs> but no, I, I've never done it, Chris. Uh, one time, and as far <laughs> as memorable, nothing I can think of right now. Too many damn conventions; they all start to roll together. Right. You guys almost sound ashamed when you said, "Hey, yes, one time." Hey, we, we, <laughs> were, we were all fools. Once. Where'd you go, as Chris? <laughs> At least no comment. Oh, you're gonna do man, that? To I us? came clean. Oh, can we guess? <laughs> no. Oh man. Damn. You would oh. never guess anyway, but I'm not gonna say. So oh, anyway, moving on. Oh Ooh. man, why are you doing that to your fans? Somebody, somebody says, got some dark ass secrets. Yeah. Shut up, Austin. Are there pictures? Or this is before you knew Austin. <laughs> before I knew Austin, so he was. Damn it, Dale. Are there pictures? <laughs> he wasn't there. <laughs> Talk to us, um, Dale. Anyone that's listening in those Chris. Shut up. <laughs> Neo, M-H-Q at gmail.com. <laughs> Second question. May have been asked already, but after 75 episodes, it's hard to remember. Any non-Gundam anime you want there to be a sequel to? I would love a Shin Mazinger sequel myself, but that yeah. seems very unlikely. Mm. I'm sure we've discussed this in the past. There's there's quite a few, yeah. Um, if they continued Bubblegum Crisis, that'd be that'd be incredible. I, I would love it with original. today's technology, the original yeah. OVA series. If Outlaw they could, Star would be another one. Outlaw Star, if if they could find a good story, a good enough story to continue it, I'd I'd be down for that. But yeah, Bubblegum, you could either reboot it in in more of the original uh, style. Reboot. Yeah, yeah, uh, but but okay, okay, okay. Reboot. Continuation, continuation. Uh, there you go. Hollywood, there's your man that buys movies from you. It's, exactly. But um, that's my pick. All right. Lastly, he asks if gun if Gunpla Builders Gunnam Video Game Pod actually existed, which kit would you enter? Oh, if man. Right now? Well, Gundam oh. Builders. Oh, 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 is actually a game. Oh man. Well, clearly, I would go with Bear Gundam because that's the obvious <laughs> choice. 
Bear Gundam? Because Bear Gundam is a Gundam. Yeah. So it's been Gundam. proven scientifically. So so Bear Gundam, would it have stats like Squirrel Girl from Marvel? You know, through the roof? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> be the, it, it would be the suit to beat. Sobro would have the pink uh, pink Zaku from Destiny. What the hell are you talking <laughs> Well, that, that's your Gundam or your mobile suit. So basically, um, I, 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 my, my suit is a, is a pink, is a pink Zaku. Sweet. Probably you, a Zaku too. Or you'd probably grab a GM and put a Ryu hand, headband on it. Hey, that would be awesome, dude. Not really. No, I would, I would, uh, I would use the red frame. The red frame. That would be my oh, pick. Oh, cliche. Hey, with the headband. There you go. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, I'd probably Gunpla Builders. <sighs> Maybe Axia. Just because I like wow. Axia. And, All right. and and probably strike strike or axia oh shoot just because of the the usefulness of those things so all right Swiss our Arms. next question comes from kone 73 who says while it's true that zz sort of had team gundam with zeta double zeta and mark ii fighting together piloted by judo and co or judo and the junkyard kids, kids. Mm-hmm. g gundam really started the let's make everything a gundam and then wing really solidified the gundam sentai team piloted by bishon instead of angsty nerds <laughs> <laughs> look for four or five that is look for four or five that has been stuck with the franchise since then. Are you guys growing tired of that trend? And how refreshing do you find a return to the original UC aesthetic of Unicorn, bringing back the idea of one titular Gundam, and not five Gundams with five different personalities all sharing the spotlight? Also, would shows like Wing and, and Double O would they have worked the same if only one suit was a Gundam and the rest were something else? Yeah. Uh, I I do prefer um, pretty much what Zeta set up. Where um, there, I don't mind there being more than one Gundam, but a, a whole team of Gundams. It just seems like you know they they've got a distinct advantage right out right out the gate. I, I'd like to see a little bit of struggle even from the beginning. So um, it, one one titular Gundam is, is 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 probably the the best way to go. But I don't mind there being more than one. It's not a whole team. I'd like to see ver- a variation of suits that are also on the um, the protagonist side. Neil, I think it depends on the the universe that you're using i think with uc just because it's always been this the fact that the gundam is a one of a kind mm-hmm. you know the up thing it, i think it works a little bit better um i don't know how different double o would be if you just had one gundam i think with that it makes more sense to have the team because it was kind of a private type of mercenary type of organization. Mm. Uh, Wing, it's definitely known. You can definitely see that it was just there to sell models and yeah. stuff like that. Because you had the five original Gundams. But then, oh my god. Then you had Zero and Epion who were like above it. Where it's like, you know. But I think it just depends on the universe and the story that they're using. And um, it. It, as long as it's done correctly, it doesn't bother me either way. So even 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 in Seed, because those five suits mm-hmm. were created for a special, and they at least had an interlocking type of you know qualities that they you know one was like the flight suit, one was the stealth suit, whatever. But it doesn't really matter. It's just I think it just depends on the story. So personally, I don't mind there being a. Gundam hero team. What bothers me is when all of the enemies also use them too. Yeah, Damn. you know the the whole thing in Sea and Destiny. The the stupid thing of only a Gundam can fight a Gundam. Yeah, <laughs> you know because before you know in all of the shows you used to have powerful enemy suits that were on the same level. Mm-hmm. Go <laughs> And even um, in Wing, when you had enemies start to use Gundam, it was sort of a small scale thing because all you had was Epion. Yeah. 
you know, in X, you only had the Frost Brothers. Right. Yeah. All these other guys who were putting up fights had to use non-Gundam mobile suits. Uh, turn A, of course, you only had one Gundam period, and, mm-hmm. you know, all of the enemy mobile suits were non-Gundams. But then Seed and Destiny came along, and it's like any suit that does not have Gundam in its name is garbage and useless. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think uh, with those, er- like the other ones you were saying, even with the, the high-powered mobile suit, it was always a more function of showing when they when the the lead pilot or the the Gundam character had to fight this guy. It was always because they had to try to. It was like the original fight between Char and Armoro, where it's like you have the more powerful suit, but I have the experience, and yeah. you know, and I, I I do kind of agree with you on that. But yeah, it doesn't really matter. Would you um Would you think that the exception to the rule that uh, of what you said, Chris, is uh, G Gundam? Since uh, the rules of the Gundam fight pretty much force yeah, everybody that's to use a whole well, yeah, that, that's, that's an obvious exception, why, which is why I didn't even mention it. No, no problem. And then uh, I, I, double, I just wanted to get it out there, just in case anybody else wants to throw it up on the on the forums later. But yeah. Um, yeah. And then Double O, um, even though numerically it has just as many Gundams as Seed and Destiny, mm-hmm. it's done in a different way, and it's kind of going back in the original direction of enemies are using high-powered suits that are not Gundams, and they can put up a good fight. Yeah. Because and they're, and they're more you like had basically, forces. you know, if you look at the the, the number of, of bad Gundams in Double O, it was the Thrones, mm-hmm. the Arch, yeah. and then for the last episode, the original O. Yeah, that's not that many. Oh, and and, and didn't um didn't Ribbons use uh before he used the original O? Didn't he use uh uh the uh what's it what was it called the uh, the one that was a gun cannon? Oh, re- yeah, the Reborns. The Reborns, yeah. Forgot about that. Okay, yeah. so. That, that's a pretty pretty it's a small decent, number. It's a small number, and a yeah. lot of those, and you know, three of those are recycled, re- you know, upgrades yeah. Yeah. for two specific dudes. Yep. Yeah. You know, between ribbons and Ali, so you know, it's it's a different sort of setup. So yes, I do prefer there being fewer Gundams, but I am aware that that's never going to happen because that's just the way it is. Gundams sell best, so we're always going to see lots of them. Mm-hmm. But I prefer the way it's done in Double O than either Seed or Destiny. That's awesome. <laughs> you, you you didn't like Dog Gundam. <laughs> We're not talking about that. Oh, Dog. all right. And um, there's a bunch of questions here from one person, so we'll we'll finish off with that. All right. We have a couple from Who Will Survive seventy nine. Who will? Who says, "Hey guys, I'm relatively new to your podcast, so I hope none of my questions have been answered before." Number one, Neo. Why so much hate for Razafon, Sobro, and Chris? <laughs> What do you think about that series? Well, when we review it, you'll find out my hate, and I can't say anything for Chris, but I know. I've never seen it. Yeah. Oh, neither one of you guys have seen it, have you? I've watched the first half of it, and I I agree with Neo, at least up to the point that I saw. That is a bit of an Ava clone. Let's just save that. (laughs) Let's just save that. (laughs) Well, we'll save that for the review, because we will eventually get to it. I'll have to power through that one day. I'll I'll call the general up. He'll give me some words of inspiration. And and the movie. He'll be like, hate, you know, you have to have hate in your heart to live. Hate for the hatefulness of hate hatred. It's like, okay, thank you, General. But next question. Okay. Uh, he also asks, has Tamino ever mentioned why he included quests, or Hathaway for that matter, in Shar's counterattack? I know teenagers and Gundam go hand in hand for the most part. These two really raise the bar for being annoying. Aside from being pains in the ass, I don't see what they contribute to the story. Um, well, I, I think with the question of Hathaway, I can see no matter how great your father is, um, mm. genetically, sometimes you just become the runoff. 
Yeah. And um, with Quest, I think it was just the fact of giving something for Hathaway to kind of pine over and, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know what that, I don't know what the whole thing All I was. know is when it comes down to the, the Noah bloodline, it's all in Shaman's corner. <laughs> yeah, we never hear from her, do we? Yeah, she's, she's the cool one. <laughs> I think Quest fits in in the way that, uh, since there's so much talk about Lala in that movie, yeah. um, sort of a theme that you see with, with Char is obsession. Yeah. Because he's been so obsessed with Lala for so many years, even though she's dead. And then here comes along someone who becomes so obsessed with him. And as he realized at the end of the movie, um, you know, he thought that she was annoying and he turned her into a machine. That is a definitely a, a plus in Char's book right there. <laughs> Canon father she was. Any comments? That's about it. I mean, like I said, I, it just I think it just shows that. You know, with with the thing with um, I think a lot of with Hathaway too. It shows the fact that with Bright being away for so long mm-hmm. and raising everybody else's kids, he neglected his own. That, and that is he ended up becoming just a goofball himself. Yeah. And you know, of course, like you said, the whole thing with Sh- uh, Quest is the you know dealing with Char and all that. But it also shows. I always thought that Quest was in there too to show how still apathetic the earth government was because as you can see her father is an official in the earth government yeah and he's just worried about running off with his mistress and all this other crap and you know so it i think it was just mainly just an illustration showing that no matter what's going on there's still trouble within the society and um you know so that's about it all right, all right. Uh, his third question is why have the newer series wing c destiny double o gravitated towards a select group of special pilots trying to change the world in that teenage i know better than my parents sense and get rid of war is this an alternate universe thing because in my opinion most uc shows always make it clear that individual characters were essentially useless in stopping the warring powers of their universe Mm-hmm. Uh, well, two things to consider here. One, the, the audience, which is teenagers, and they want things they can identify with, which is the I know better than my parents' mentality. Right. And this is just an extrapolation of that. Two, I have to remember that all of the UC TV shows were done by Tamino, mm-hmm. and yeah. he is a lot older than the directors of these other shows. Specifically, he grew up in post-war Japan, you know, coming back from their worst defeat ever from having their country rebuilt and fashioned in the image of America, that's going to give you an entirely different perspective on war and everything about war than people who grew up way after that. Yeah, I mean, his, his view of war is not fantastical like um, in, in the alternate universe series where uh, you know, they take a, you know, a completely different approach with that. Uh, it is very true that with his series, his leads are more so a cog in the machine and you know, they're forced to pick a side and you know fight for that side while in um those you know those alternate reality alternate um universe series you know usually you got people who are fighting it right down the middle where you know they are trying to just stop the conflict altogether and you know they got the abilities and the equipment to do so and um you know if anything um yeah it's it's just like you said it's a, it's it's the it's the approach of the directors and and the the people making those shows at the time yeah, if you look at the shows of you know these these old guys like him or Ryosuke Takahashi, mm-hmm. their worldview and the way they express that in their work is completely different from these guys of the newer generation that were born in like say the '60s and later. Yep, and, and I think with um, 
I think you're using double O and wing as a comparison when it comes to that is the one thing I is a little a little off because the one thing I do like about double O is the fact that outside of Setsna, all these guys are twenty plus. Yeah. You know, they're in their mid twenties with lock on being what the probably the oldest guy mm-hmm. late to mid twenties. Um, you know, and like you said, there is this more of you can see with these directors the they have the more belief that one person can change all. Yeah. You know, if you put your mind to it, you can change the world and, and, and change the ills of society. And you see that in things like Wing and Double O, where, like you said, with um, Tamino and, you know, and, and other uh, his contemporaries, when they do their shows, it's mm-hmm. like you're just a means to the end. That's you're just going to be plugged into the, you know, the military industrial complex and you're to, you know, do what said government person says and even uh, in even in uc series that he that tomino didn't do that you still see that as a you still get that yeah Yeah. you you still definitely get that but um you know also too i think it's just it's just the changing of you know the audience too is the fact that you know when gundam came out it was 1979 the war ended world war ii ended only 30 years before i mean still fresh we think we think of that stuff and we we i can't even think about how it was and i think even with society it's you know it's it's a little bit different so who knows i'm probably wrong (laughs) so usually because you're you're badly researched and inane. Badly researched, ill-informed, and what was the other thing? It, it sometimes inane. Inane. <laughs> that's right. All right. His last question is: What do you think led to Char's radicalism in Char's counterattack? I know that most people think he grew disillusioned with Earth citizens, but how does a guy go from being a freedom fighter in Zeta to a mass asteroid dropping murderer <laughs> in Shars Counterattack? Thanks for putting up such a great podcast, guys. Every time a new episode comes out, it makes my normally terrible LA commutes a breeze. Man, I never really thought of him as a freedom fighter in Zeta, and this might this might sound weird because I just felt he was just such a broken. He was he seemed to me and once again this might be the whole thing that um because of tomino's experiences and and how he grew up is he just seemed like that guy that came back from war a defeated man saw his friends and stuff killed but gets involved in something only because that's what he knows to do right up until the fact that he has a speech at the car he's just kind of going through the motions because he feels like you know this is what i do i'm a good mobile suit pilot okay these guys aren't as maniacal as the titans are or um zeon i'm just gonna kind of gravitate towards them and i do think the reason why he became kind of radicalized is because he got disillusioned because let's be honest for all these years the earth federation said they were going to do this Mm. and then the same on the flip side, you have Xeon or Neo Xeon. They're saying they're there for the people, for the space noids. But then yet they're using the space noids in the same way that the Earth Federation's using them, just as pawns or as disposable pieces mm-hmm. to, to get their way. So I, I think that that's, that's my opinion. Is you, you got a guy that he starts off in, in mobile suit as a man looking out for revenge, becomes something else towards the end of that show. He's a guy without a rudder really is kind of disillusioned with stuff sees his purpose doesn't see his purpose you know come to fruition or understand you know see that it's being rejected and then in double and you know, in uh, not double zeta but in char's counterattack, the fact of just a guy that's like you know what screw this nobody's going to listen to me 
they're going to remember who I am and I'm going to make them realize that this is the route that we need to go. So. Yeah. Uh, it sounds about right. Um, I, I see him as a, as a man that, um, he, he, he does have obsessions, um, and he acts on them. You know, like you said, he, revenge was his first obsession. Then he met Lala. And then, uh, when she got killed, it kind of derailed his pretty much his obsession with that and became a depressed man. Um, he tried to channel his energies the best he could. And, um, you know, he ended up being a bit of a freedom fighter in, um, in the AUG. And, and, you know, of course he did a stint with, uh, with Haman, but, you know, eventually, you know, he found his focus again by the time uh, Shars Counterattack rolled around. And, um, you, really I went bold- a, you really see him as a freedom fighter, though, in the AU? I, I see, him, see, trying, that I see him trying to rectify some of his mistakes. He's trying to find redemption somewhat, but, you know, eventually, I, I think his, his desire. So he was doing it more s- for himself than really for their cause. In, in a sense, yeah. I, I think okay. that, I, I think he was trying to find, you know, his own, um, his trying own Trying to redemption. make himself whole instead of the, yeah. the world whole. Eventually, though, he realized that there was one thing in the world that he wanted, and he wanted to settle things with Amaro. And um, I, think oh, I all- thought it was Lala's sweet ass. <laughs> well, since she's long dead by the time the the, the grips wars around, uh, you know, he, he started moving towards that direction. And of course, he knew the world had to change, so he he wanted to drag the world kicking and screaming somehow, as well as actually uh, he traded up though from Lala. Yeah, for uh, what for um what's her name uh the the, the woman that he's with in Shores Counterattack, yeah. right? I gotta say, but nah, that's my opinion. All right. Um, I would say that uh, obviously he's a he's a very complex guy, mm-hmm. and he's one who is prone to letting his emotions overrule his better judgment, mm-hmm. as evidenced when uh, they go to make that alliance with Haman, and he totally screws everything up. <laughs> Never seen that man lose more composure than that point. Yeah, and you know. Obviously, we don't see him throughout Double Zeta, but he is mentioned by Sayla, and she's talking about how he's probably up to something. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at you you look at the sort of things that he's probably thinking about during that period of Double Zeta, which is one: the Aug had the the uh, dictionary definition of a pirate victory. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, they won, they beat the Titans, but it's such a huge cost that they almost destroyed themselves. Mm-hmm. Which then allowed Haman to just sweep right on in in the midst of uh, of the rubble, and the Federation completely capitulates to her and gives her what she wants without a yeah. single fight, and doesn't do anything when she tries to drop a colony. Jeez, and she succeeds at it, and then you know it's up to the Ayug to fight her off, and then at the very end, the Federation comes in and claims credit for it. So, yeah, you know, I would feel pretty embittered by that and would think, hey, you know, these, these bastards, they didn't learn anything at all with these two wars. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the greedy and corrupt federation is still ruled by, you know, the types of guys that we saw in Doubles Data who are like, oh, the, uh, uh, give me some of that delicious steak and all oh, that colony drop will probably help with uh, population control. <laughs> <laughs> Pass the wide. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so to him, that's the very epitome of people whose souls are weighed down by, by gravity. gravity. And as we've seen in the past, he's not one who's ever shied away from using violence to achieve his goals. Mm-hmm. So it should not be surprising that he would want to, you know, force things along and um, reach a faster conclusion. As was mentioned in Unicorn Episode 3 about the issue of, um, you know, creating cyber new types, yeah. uh, that conversation between uh, Dr. Hassan and, and Benajer, Dr. Hassan says that some people believe that, uh, you know, if we wait for evolution to take its course so that we can turn into new types and understand each other, uh, we'll wipe ourselves out long before that ever happens. So you've got to speed <laughs> it up. Yes, indeed. 
which if you think about it in a way that's kind of what Char wanted to do you mm-hmm. know he was tired of waiting for the earth to change and maybe see things in a better light so he wanted to force evolution along yeah was the way that he wanted to do it misguided yes it was but that's what he chose to do yeah it's almost like um uh Trey's thing in, in oh, wing yeah. where it's like you know, I'm tired of people talking about peace and, and not going to war. Mm-hmm. We need to show them something where it's so horrible that all they're going to do is just want this, just like the whole situation. And, and you see Gundam where it's like, you know, everybody's talking about being a U-type, going up to space and stuff. We need to get everybody off the Earth to, to understand this. So, yeah. hey, on one my, my own question, my own mailbag question, what do you think would be the more interesting anime at this point, the in, the uh, in-between of what he did between Zeta and uh, Char's counterattack <laughs> or uh, kind of like an adaptation of Char's deleted affair? Man, if I, I'd take all of it if we could. <laughs> you have to take Char, Char's well, deleted affair, I think. I would me. probably take Char's deleted affair because there's a lot of stuff going on. I mean, yeah. What's really neat is the way that series starts, where it shows him right after we last see him in Abawaku, and Lala is, is ridiculous, <laughs> and Lala is leading him to an escape, just like she was with Amuro. Oh. So it shows like you know, she's thinking about him too, yeah. and all those things that happen. So there's a lot of stuff that happens. Whereas you know, in Shars between Zayn and Shars, can't like he doesn't show up anywhere. He doesn't do anything. It's just biding his time and and assembling Haman's scrag- stragglers. Yeah. And so that to, would not be very interesting, I think. And you get to see your boy Makuve not be a punk oh. in Shars Char, Lee's affair. Yeah, he did come through. Actually, yeah. Block that beam for you. <laughs> yep. So I, I would prefer that. No With maybe, you know, a, this is, of course, a Candyland situation. Of course. You do Shars Lee's affair, and then maybe as, like, an epilogue episode show, you know, Shars deleted Zeta affair. Mm-hmm. And show what he was doing during uh, Double Zeta and in between that up to Shar's uh, counterattack. In the, in the Shar cave, kind of modeled after the <laughs> Batman cave. Sure, why not? Hayakushiki nice. in the corner. So Yeah, he finds it. He's like, look at this thing. It's a mess inside. Who let some punk kid use my stuff? <laughs> <laughs> it's got all this candy wrappers and Burger King stuff in here. <laughs> and soda cans floating around. Dude, imagine how dirty the Nera argument was after those kids gave it back. Oh. God. God, it's got space playboys like. Because you, you just imagine just beach Amanda. Those are little, those are two little nasty bastards right there. I, I can imagine the relief on Doctor Hassan's face once it got under control of adults. Yeah, he's probably <laughs> he was probably cursing Bright for not telling him he left. Damn you, Bright! <laughs> All right, well that's it for the mailbag. Thank you, Chris, and uh, we'll be back with our our only segment this time on Gundam at MAHQ in just a moment. Hey, Red. Good day, Mr. Red. Wait a minute. Where's the other idiot? Other idiot? Do we know another idiot? Where's Eric? Where's Eric? Where are you, man, and who wants to know? The U.S. government, that's who. Like I read by 1984, the government will have tracking devices on all of us. And after that, they're going to jam electrodes in our brains so they can read our memories. Gundam, U.S. government. Gundam, U.S. government? Without our government, you'd be stuck in Siberia now, sucking the juice from a rotten commie potato. Let me tell you something. If the U.S. government 
decides to stick a tracking device up your ass, you say, thank you. And God bless America. If you're into sports, working out, or just need a new pair of shoes, and you're a proud listener of Gundam at MAHQ, well, we got the thing for you. If you go to Gundam.net, you can click on the Champs banner and receive 10% off a $50 or more purchase by entering the code AFMAHQCH or 15% off of a $75 or more purchase using the code AFGUNDCH. If you're a fan of the NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, NHL, college sports, or even stuff like Major League Soccer and a lot of your uh, premiership soccer jerseys, definitely go to champsports.com for all those needs and also visit them because they have some great deals on footwear and other products. We, the hosts of Gundam at MHQ, visit champsports.com for all of our footwear and sporting good needs. You should too. In a world where vivid flashbacks can strike without warning. In a world where a submissive adolescent must pilot a giant humanoid robot to save humanity. In the same world where a two-legged quadruped can run leisurely at the speed of sound with the aid of jewelry. Only one podcast can discuss this with their sanity intact. And this is Not That Podcast. www.ssapodcast.com the Ass Backwards Anime Podcast. Oh, wait, I was supposed to use that voice in the beginning. Uh, let's go again. God damn it! Look, people, this is chaos! This segment of Gundam at MHQ is sponsored by Champ Sports. Welcome back to Gundam at MHQ. Today we've got as a special guest, good old Peter Pedobear North. Say hello. Hey guys. Destiny Gundam, man. That's that's not yep. much of an entrance. <laughs> you, you need to, you need to you need to really hey take, hey hey take Neo, this moment it's, and, it's, and grab it's, it. It's an entrance Peter. from the master, the defender of mediocrity. So I think it's quite fitting. <laughs> I'm the embodiment of mediocrity. See? If there is a French, Peter will straddle it. <laughs> the Shinji of Canada. Destiny Gundam. Nah, don't, don't. In- <laughs> nah, that's, a, that's an insult. Yeah, don't oh. insult Peter. Uh, unless you beat Rebuild Shinji, then that's pretty and, awesome. And, and, and note, Soulbro Defense Force. I was Soulbro being mean to Peter. <laughs> <laughs> nah. 
<laughs> or the or the Pedo Bear North Defense Force. Do we, is there such a defense force? <laughs> I doubt it. I'm sure there will be after this episode. <laughs> All right, so uh, we got Peter here, so that that uh, means that we're gonna be talking about some robots. In this case, super robots going to war. I thought, it, I thought we'd be talking about lollies. This ain't lolly too. <laughs> no, we cannot. Hey, there's plenty of lollies. Jump! About wars. I, I, I was interested in Nanaha. I wanted to see how to watch it. What, what route I need to we'll, take. We'll, we'll go down to that path some other day. <laughs> <laughs> that is a bad rabbit hole to go down to. <laughs> start with season one, then season two, then season three. Shut there up! You go. <laughs> so, we're talking about Super Robot Wars OG, The Inspector, which aired last fall in Japan and was simulcast here in the Americas on Crunchyroll. Nice. So we're going to be talking about... Uh, <laughs> yes, varying quality, especially towards the end, but that's that's enough. So we're going to be talking... It was finals week. <laughs> yes, that so. last episode came out in finals week. <laughs> so we're going to be talking first about the show itself and then comparing it to its source material because... Uh, as we all know, Super Robot Wars is a massive video game franchise, and uh, this anime is the adaptation of Super Robot Wars Original Generation 2 from the GBA. So we're going to be talking about that as well as the PS2 remake later on and comparing all three. But first, we'll talk about the show. So just sort of a brief intro like we usually do, not too much plot uh, information. Uh, it's been six months since uh, the defeat of the Arrogators, which was chronicled in the first TV series, Divine Wars, that we talked about way back when. And uh, the Earth is at peace, except for uh, some annoying losers, the remnants of the Divine Crusaders, the, the Neo-DC. They're basically uh, just a bunch of uh, butthurt losers who can't accept the fact that they've lost. So they're sort of like uh, Gundam Zeon. So you got them causing trouble. Then you've got these aliens that show up called the Einst. Then you've got um, these people from a parallel Earth called the Shadow Mirrors that show up and cause trouble. Then you've also got these aliens called the Inspectors. And you have this massive slapdash of attacks, alliances, betrayals over and over again. And then a big climactic battle at the end with lots of explosions and fan service. Huge boss fights. And huge boss, boss fights galore. Because <laughs> after all, this is based on a Vigi game. <laughs> so, with that very general summary out of the way, uh, Peter, why don't you give us to open up some comments on the show just as an anime? How do, how do you think it works, or what doesn't work? Well, as with any anime or anything, period, it's got some good things, got some bad things, got some horrible things. The fence, <laughs> um, I straddle. That was like right from the beginning. It's had unlike Divine Wars, the mecha were rendered in uh, 2D instead of uh, CGI. Which yes. once that was announced, everybody rejoiced. It's like yes, no CG max. Oh. <laughs> I mean, well, granted, there are still some max that are shown in CG, and there's still use of CG, but it's still got that 2D style that I prefer. I mean, I didn't hate the CGI in Divine Wars, but I it definitely was prefer the first in Divine 2D. Wars. Yeah, it got better later on, and the DVDs went back and fixed some stuff. Mm -hmm. So, and then... As is characters of Super Robo Wars, you got this big cast of characters that are just so damn likable. <laughs> I mean, it's just a great cast of characters that mm -hmm. vary personalities, and everybody's got a favorite. I mean, who, anyone stand out for you, Chris? 
particularly? Well, obviously, uh, there there is Excellent because she's just so awesome. But uh, we yeah. should mention that um, the first game and the first anime focused on Ryusei Date and the SRX team, but the second game and consequently the second show focus more on Kyosuke Nanbu and the ATX team. So you do kind of have a shift in focus. And yes, you do have the same cast plus new characters, but uh, you know it jumps around in this ensemble cast. So you know it's cool seeing the focus on Kyosuke because the thing about Ryusei in the first season was is Ryusei is kind of like the typical mech hero, you know, the, the teenager who gets uh, pulled into a war and becomes a pilot and has, like, awesome scales and yada yada, and, but has to learn how to be in the military and all that stuff. So that was a little less interesting because we've seen that so many damn times before. Really? I've never seen a show like that. <laughs> <laughs> have you? You clearly have been with living that, in uh, original With that original Generation 1, at the very beginning of the game, you get to choose whether you play as Ryusei or as Kyosuke. So Kyosuke did have his own thing in original Generation 1, but his plot line from like the game he originated in wasn't in OG1 at all. It's here, it's here in the Inspectors, so that's why it makes more sense for him to be the main character here, because it deals with his main plot line, whereas the first game dealt with the um, Alpha storyline that Ryusei was a big player in. So it works that they chose Ryusei's route for OG1, and then it switches to Kyosuke being the star of the second, so... I was just saying that it's interesting that the first scene of the inspector is Kyosuke killing Ryusei. It's like, I'm the main character now. It's Revolver Stake. <laughs> well, the, the, the alternates Kyosuke and Ryusei from another parallel Earth. But still, yeah, there is right. some of that symbolism. That is so, drastic. <laughs> the standout for original Generation 2 is that I love Lamia. She's just, she's an artificial human that starts up as a spy and it's just like, oh yeah, I just follow orders and whatever and blah, blah, blah. But then over the course of the series, she's like, discovers her humanity and becomes her own individual. She's not just a puppet that just follows orders. So I really liked her storyline mm-hmm. and her as a character. And another standout is that Shine really got to do a lot. <laughs> I, knew the- you, I knew you would say that. You being the, the <laughs> lolly lover that you are with your little lolly princess <laughs> and her lolly bot. Right, but it's not just because she's a lolly. It's that she's a princess, but it's not like she's not content with just getting rescued all the time. In the second season, her homeland gets captured, so it's like, you know what? I'm hopping in a giant robot. I'm getting my country back. There you go. No, I, I agree with you, but I just have to harass you on this regardless. <laughs> of course. But on the flip side, I also really like Lemon. She's got that whole hot scientist vibe going on, and just find her level of maturity to be really sexy. Which I, I, maturity? I, I, Wait, hold, hold, hold on, hold on. Quite amusing coming from you, given yeah. that Lemon has such a ginormous rack and is is an adult. Well, I just heard the word maturity. Are, are you are you starting to deviate away from the land of the lollies, Peter? <laughs> is our little is our little Peter finally growing up? No, I've always been an omnivore. <laughs> He has. Okay. He has. I can tell by some of his um some of his avatars on Mechatar. <laughs> <laughs> some of them, some of those some of those have ample breasts. Some of them. <laughs> some. And there's Oka to do that's not lacking in the 
breast department. She's got the whole cool big sister thing going on. He likes a, he likes a blend of uh, I'm, I'm of, just, of, of hey, DFCs. I, I I don't I don't have a problem with it. I just didn't want to you know Peter's got kind of a cult following with I didn't want him to disappoint his fans. The 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 millions and millions the, and the millions of Peter's. Fans. <laughs> it's not that I like lollies. It's that I also like lollies. There you go. Yeah, yeah, likely story. Anyway, you were saying uh, highlights of, of the show. <laughs> and um, connected in with the characters is that the voice work is just amazing. Like, Super Robot Wars has this, like, it's the definition of an all-star cast. you got so many big names in the voice acting industry, and they all come out to work on this project, and they've been doing so since the debut games where they voice characters, and there's a really high retention rate for that, and it's got like lots of screaming and attack names and, and the emotional scenes and stuff. It really has some great moments in terms of voice acting. So, and so then, basically, like, crazy awesome stuff like Kyosuke's voice actor screaming at the top of his lungs <laughs> when he does the ultimate dispensed kick because his voice activated. <laughs> gotta, you, you have to shout now. <laughs> so, so basically, um, I guess they have a a a, a stable of a. Uh, of Seiyu that 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 are famous for their own roles in mecha shows is that what you're saying like um they they have them guest spot or well or they show up anyway playing spot. the characters they're known for from other shows so right. they have them play new parts in addition to that which I think is cool because um you know of course they can't do a, a Super Robot Wars anime based on one of their um one of their mainstay um games like the ones that actually have major crossovers oh, from different series one. so I guess having you know VAs play similar characters or, or stepping in and, and reprising their roles from the games themselves. You know, is is a nice touch for the uh, anime as well. And you get things like um, like Ikira Ishida, you know, mm-hmm. and Zala. He plays like four different characters. Is Ikeda uh, in this is one? Is Ikeda in this? Um, no, I don't think. No, he's not. No, he's not. No, you got, like, so, there's, so, there's, yeah, like so this. You so got this, Wakamoto, so this show, it loses Takahito like Kayasu, and Hikaru Midorikawa. I don't know and... what he's saying. All I all I know is Akeda. It's all that matters. That's all that that's all that matters to you. <laughs> that is the only say you he literally well, knows. You know, hope, <laughs> that's the only voice hope, actor I know. As Peter as Peter might agree, hope springs eternal. <laughs> Maybe someday there will be a character awesome enough for Ikeda to play in in original generation. It's like I always said. I mean, even when they when they bring these when they translate him over here in English, he should always remain as just Ikeda. The the if I was doing Gundam Unicorn or or something like that, everything would also be in Jap or in English except for him. You can't change his voice. <laughs> okay, okay, Ikeda fanboy. We're talking about Super Robot Wars. Uh, just saying. Not not your 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 bromance with Ikeda. He he's the chairman Kaga of voice acting? Is that what you're saying? No. I don't have a bromance with Ikeda. Yes, you do. No, I don't. There's more good things. Um the director, Masami Ibari, he is like I love this guy. He's such a fan pleaser. Like fan <laughs> ser- fan service aside with like your big boobs and whatever. He's just he knows how to have fun with things. He knows what the, the fans want to see. Like the aforementioned ultimate gift fence kick, that was just a secret unit that you could get, and then you could pretty much put anybody in it, and they all have their own variation of the attack name. But he included, like, he knows that fans just love all the way the different characters, like, will scream that attack name. Especially Kyosuke in, like, PlayStation 2 Remake. He just mm-hmm. breaks his voice screaming it so loud. So when it comes, like, pretty much finds a reason to put that machine in there and has Kyosuke in it, and then has him scream that attack. And it's just he knows what 
like over the years fans are like oh this part was so awesome and all that stuff and like things become like memes or whatever but mm-hmm. and he's aware of that so he'll include that little like it's a different kind of fan service you got the sex appeal but then you got like giving the fans what they want to see nice so that's awesome on his part like he just well i have some problems with his directing style but i've always loved his like his mecha designs and his animation work and all that stuff, and he's just oh. never. Whenever there's a Obari show announced, I know it's gonna be fun. Hey man, all I know is Obari. He always brings the mechs and the boobies. <laughs> well, and how would you often mechs with boobs? Mechs with boobs. There you go. There you go. That's <laughs> in this case, but we'll get to that later. Um, another good thing, it has a lot more to it than Divine mm-hmm. Wars. I mean, Divine Wars only had the storylines from Super Robot Wars 2 and Super Robot Wars Alpha. With the DC War and then with the um, Arrowgator things, while also, also including characters like Kyosuke from Super Robo's Impact and stuff. But with the second game, you got four different enemy factions. You got a lot more variety in the mecha. You got, like in the Volume Wars, basically everybody was in Gespenst. Right. So in here, you get like, like everybody has their own unique unit aside from biggest fence pilot <laughs> but yeah you got like the shadow mirror the einstein specters the neo dc and mm-hmm. just a lot more like divine wars was pretty straight up like it was pretty real robot but then here in inspector you got like ancient magical chinese super robots showing up what <laughs> the Einstein themselves are just are just like they really set things above like whereas like just oh enemy faction shows up we gotta fight them kind of thing but then you got the Eins which are like they're monsters really and they're just showing up they're like assimilating people and they're just Ooh. these huge monsters that are just they can pop up out of nowhere and they can just swarm you and all that stuff so it's really different from just oh hey look we got these human guys and they're fighting each other what That's would you what... say are some uh, some of the bad things um bad things well, something that annoys me is the use of the music. I mean, Super Rollers music has always been great, and but the Inspector, the way they did it, instead of like um, uh, composing new versions of the tracks, what they basically did is they just took the, the the tracks right from the PlayStation version and they just aired them as it is. Well, is that necessarily but, a bad thing? Because you know, no, I it, it, it is not music. because those versions are awesome. But mm-hmm. the way they're designed is they're designed to loop. And oh. all they do is loop and loop and loop. So when you show, put it in a show like that for a scene, there's no end point where you can end the song. So a lot of the times the song just cuts out. <laughs> so it's just like, oh, somebody just unplugged the tape recorder or whatever. And it's like, nice. Okay. <laughs> so there is no, there's no end point for these songs. So it's just, oh, you got to stop the song right here. So that's kind that's of jarring where it's like, yeah, the song's awesome. All right. And oh, it's over. <laughs> well, it'd be nice if they faded it out, or or, or at yeah. least had an original faded mix it out where, at least. yeah, or it had an original mix where they did complete the song and just did this didn't put it in the game and just you know save that for the TV show that they I guess would inevitably come. But I, I guess maybe they didn't think that far. <laughs> Another thing is going back with the huge cast of characters. It's mm-hmm. hard to give them all ample amounts of screen time. Oh yeah. I mean. Some of the more minor characters that are just there to be units that you can fight off the enemies with and don't necessarily have that much plot relevance. Mm-hmm. Those are fine if they're 
mostly in the background, just like at least getting a scene or two of them like destroying an enemy or something. Right. But they sometimes don't get that. It kind of comes across that only the important people get shown doing stuff, but only when they're important. Kind of, Lamia suffers from this a lot. She's a central character to the Shadow Mirror, sto- Mirror storyline, and she's billed as one of the main protagonists. But unless she's actually saying something of importance, she doesn't really do anything. Like in battles, especially at the beginning when she's in the end Gelk, she mostly just floats around and does nothing. Right. Which, okay, she's she's the spy, she's just there to observe, so, okay, she doesn't want to destroy her own units or whatever. But even after she switches sides, and she decides to fight on her own will and whatever, and she gets a completely kick-ass by Saga, mm-hmm. she doesn't do much. She'll pop up occasionally, but then she'll disappear again. Like in one episode <laughs> where... Arado was fighting the machinery children. He's about to get he's about to get hit, but then Lamia comes and saves him and then says something like, um, like, Oh, even puppets can become humans or whatever and then oh. the battle resumes, but then she's not there any but then she's not there anymore. So like right. well, where did she go? I mean she just <laughs> saved Arado and now Arado's fighting this guy again, but where did Lamia go? It's kinda of, people just kinda of pop in and out and it just doesn't feel natural, basically, and they leave a lot of loose ends. I guess with, uh, I guess as a sacrifice for all the people in the, sh- all the characters, they have to focus on the show. Right. Uh, like it, I said, Lamia is a central character, right? So she should be getting some more focus and attention. And I think the worst part is that her decision to switch sides wasn't as developed. Oh. So it's kind of like, okay, one minute she's like, oh, yeah, I'm following orders from my masters and all that. And then the next minute it's like, what? Endless War is bad? I should do something. So, so it comes hey, it's as better, a... It's better mm-hmm. than, hey, I just kicked your ass, hot enemy, marry me. <laughs> so, so it comes more as a surprise than a natural progression that you can almost uh, Obviously feel, I feel knew that it was right. coming because yeah. I played games. Right. And, well, and anybody who's genre savvy could see it coming. Yeah, they don't even hide the fact that she's a spy from the very start. Oh damn! <laughs> so yeah, there's that. There was the quick occasional bouts of quality. Oh no! <laughs> but and by that really, we mean all caps quality. Yeah, Ooh. all caps quality. But that was mostly for two episodes. Like you had and episode. I'm sure it'll be fixed on the uh, the DVD and the Blu-ray. Right, episode twenty-two. I didn't really notice it unless I was specifically looking for it. Like, mm-hmm. unless I'm squinting, it's like, hey, Sanger's slightly off model here. But <laughs> it was worse than episode 23, which was kind of a shame because that's when the Altai's and Risa debuts, Kyosuke's upgrade. But it just kind of seemed lame the way that it was, like, the fight was animated and just the way things looked. It was just like, oh, this is kind of, like, it looks so off that. It's dampering my enjoyment of it. I mean, it never Ooh. reaches it. It never reaches Guy King level of quality. Right. Oh yeah. Damn. <laughs> I take it that's bad. <laughs> that show got really nasty at some points. Oh, that's a shame. It's yeah, a shame so, it was a good show. But anyway. Yeah. yeah. So that that was the most standout episode. Like, wow, I I can't like watching this doesn't doesn't really sit right with me kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And is there um, anything that qualifies under the ugly heading? Or would that be it? The Angelg? <laughs> Goddamn Angelg. 
I know I know you like big boobs on robots, Peter. <laughs> Especially when they're made even bigger for the anime version. Ouch. Even the Angog, the original design, the boobs wasn't that big. I mean, they look fine. But, but it's Obari. In the inspectors were so goddamn ridiculous. It's like, oh my god. I mean, you guys have seen Godaner, haven't you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, uh, this is bits and pieces. The, the, the Russian chick's mech when it combines with its fighter thing and it gets like the huge <laughs> proofs. I mean, mm-hmm. that was kind of, it was ridiculous, but Godaner as a show is pretty ridiculous like that. But the Angel is just so unnecessarily huge, like so huge that they're unattractive. And it's oh. got like nipple outlines and everything, and it's like, this looks horrible. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> And on top of that, the they made a black is, version. Wow. Yeah, they, they made a black version for Echidna. And right. the funny thing is that Lamia actually got a breast reduction. <laughs> like, Lamia was supposed to be the most bussy woman in the show, at least on the protagonist side. And this is, right. and this is excellent saying that. But here, it's like they look smaller, not as emphasized, I guess. Well, they should have looked pretty I emphasized like in the ending sequence, which is every single girl in the show in a bikini. On the beach, having fun. You got it. Except for that one episode when uh, Rachel and Sanger were in their uh, Fundoshi and Speedo, respectively. Ooh. Why did you mention that? Well, we were talking about the ugly, right? Yeah, I guess. I guess, so I guess that is part depending of the ugly. on your perspective, <laughs> that, that wouldn't be the ugly. Yeah. Of course, uh, another ugly is uh, Igino Setme. Oh God, that hideous, monstrous woman-looking old hag. Ooh. I mean, she freaking doesn't have all of her teeth. She's like every other tooth in her mouth. She looks like the nasty, wicked witch, like, coming out and, 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 and being a mad scientist. She's hideous. Hideous. That is the worst. Oh, well, she got a bag. <laughs> she got what she So that was satisfying. Uh, anything but, else on the uh, ugly going category? Back bit, not really, but going back to the bad thing, um, the boss fights, a few of them felt pretty abbreviated. Mm-hmm. Like, they got in up one hit, basically. Wow. Is it uh, mainly episode 25? Yeah, some 25, some 24, like, Seaglog, that big silent guy, he just gets one revolver stake and boom, he explodes. Jeez. <laughs> but the inspectors themselves were only, like, mini-bosses, if anything. Um, but, like, Agiha's death, that was pretty awesome. The way she was, like, charging at massive game screaming and, and stuff, I, I love that. And then when Vigagi <laughs> went out... <laughs> Oh, man, I just love that so much, because just Shu shows up out of nowhere. He's like, hey, I upgraded your technology. Black hole to the face. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, in, like, episode 25, where, like, Wendelo, he shows up, and then he gets taken out by, like, pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. He was, like, a major boss character game. And then Vindel, he got one-shotted by bullet, basically, but hey, he was using an ancient Chinese magical robot. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I don't think Vindel stood much of a chance. And he still had his dramatic confrontation with Gillian, which is more what you'd want to see from his character resolution. Right. But yeah, just, like, he piles this badass-looking mech called his Wiser game, but in the end it doesn't really do anything. It just kind of shows up, and then it gets taken out, and it crashes, and then that's it. Mm-hmm. Any, any other comments from those three categories? Not really happy. I continue to love the SRX and be absolutely fascinated by it. <laughs> like, how did how did Kotoki design that thing? Did he start from the original R series and then say, "Oh, how can I make these combine into a, a a bigger robot?" Or did he start with the SRX and it's like, 
okay, I designed this big robot, let's break it apart and then make the pieces fit together into some other robots, because, like, each individual R-series looks like a cool robot in its own right, but then they all mm-hmm. combine together somehow. Like, they dramatically look so different. So, like, do you remember Reboot? <laughs> Where that, that oh, yeah. these bug machines, and it's like, well, you combine <laughs> into a giant robot. It's like, how does it do that? <laughs> When it does combine, the robot looks absolutely nothing like the bug machines. It's kind of like that, but not to an extreme extent. Like, the com- mm. combination scene of the SRX is so detailed, and it shows how everything fits together. It's just like, how did Katoki design this? Through magic. <laughs> so I gotta give mad props to Katoki for that, because like, he's truly a great mecha designer if he can pull something like that off. That he is. All right, anything else you want to say before we move on? Um, I guess further problems, it, just read my reviews and I talk about them there. <laughs> <laughs> Which you can find on mhq.net. Nice so, plug. <laughs> since I'm the only other one here who saw the show, I'll just briefly go into my thoughts on the show itself. Um, yeah, the mecha design is much more varied. I love all of the mecha in this show. Mm-hmm. Um, I had my oh, hands on... I had my hands on the uh, Super Robot Shogokin of the All Dyson, and it's it was just a wonderful toy. Um, cool. I've got the composite version Katoki X Spine on my on the way over here as as we speak. So nice. I'll, I'll be uh, lovingly displaying that kit pretty soon. Um, not kit, but figure. Um, so many good mecha designs. It's nice to see them in in two D. Um, again, I like the focus on the ATX team, and specifically Kiyosuke and Exelin. The thing I like about Exelin is she's so different from your typical anime character. Mm-hmm. Yes, she is this busty, bubbly blonde, but there's more to her than that because um, she doesn't fall into sort of like the cliche behavior that a lot of like females in mecha shows fall into. Right. You know, perfect example, um, and you'll remember this scene, Peter. Um, she walks in on her, uh, her teammate, Bullet, and uh, he's working at a computer, and she's just wearing a towel. Yeah. Oh, shit. And he's all, em- <laughs> he's all embarrassed. They're talking. Her towel comes off. She's just nice. standing there completely naked, doesn't bat an eyelash, and he's the one who runs away. <laughs> and yet, the only time you ever see her embarrassed or flustered is when she's alone with Kiyosuke. Yeah. Oh, wow. I mean, Kiyosuke's is- pretty stone cold himself. Yeah. But even he... Like, there are times where he really shows that he cares about Axelon a lot. I mean, they are a couple. I mean, this is official. But it's just, there's never a point where it's like, yeah, let's get together. Or, yes, we're a couple or whatever. It's just, everybody just knows it. Yeah. It's yeah. just, it doesn't need to be said. He's, he's so, not big into the PDA. Yeah. But it, if you, like, capture and brainwash her, don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You will have a revolving stake shoved up your ass. For sure. <laughs> Literally. Um, let's see what else did I like. Uh, you know, the, this is both a good thing and a bad thing. The, the pacing never relents because in Divine Wars, you know, the first episodes were kind of slow and then they started speeding up uh, mm-hmm. pacing as things went on. Here, there's never a slow moment because there's so many things going on every episode, which also is a bad thing because like the first TV show, you get the feeling that they're trying to just cram in too much stuff into just 26 episodes and really should have been serviced better with more episodes. 
mean, especially with original Generation 2, because original Generation 2 had so much more to it than original Generation 1. And For a 20... But then again, this is sort of like the fault of the game, the source material, for having, like, so much ridiculous convolution with four enemy factions. Yeah. Mm. Honestly, well, I think we could have... It helps honestly, that the shadow mirror is always helping somebody else, but... Yeah. There's that, too. Uh, honestly, I think... You know, just from the pure standpoint of an anime show, for 26 episodes, they could have easily cut out one or two enemy factions. They could have, they could have omitted the inspectors entire, entirely and just focused on the Shadowmere and the Einst. Yeah, and, and just a little bit, and even cut down a bit on the focus on the Neo DC, because we already saw these losers in the first series. <laughs> they suck. They're crazy, some of them. Uh, they keep thinking that they're awesome and that they're the only ones who can defend Earth, even though they keep losing and they just keep coming up with excuses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so there could have been less of a focus on them. Um, and I think the show does as best as it can for trying to um, cover so much material in only 26 episodes. But you can tell, even if you haven't played the game, you can you can see, uh, like, the, the seam lines, so to speak, you know, where things are being cut. You can see yeah. things that are being glossed over. You know, people disappear for large amounts of time mm-hmm. um, or they don't have too much to do as Peter mentioned with uh, Lamia so the, these faults they do appear yeah. and but what, you, what you're saying about the pace that it lets up it's still there are some breather moments like the episode in Rick's end at the beginning where they're yeah. just like chilling out or right before but the then final a bunch of stuff starts happening. yeah but like with the final battle it's like oh hey we're gonna go fight Fatal War on shoulders let's have a party <laughs> And then they're all just having a huge feast, and they're just laughing it up. They're having a grand old time, and teddy bear panties! (laughs) (laughs) uh, Yes, there are a few breather moments, but I mean, the pacing is much more fast-paced than the first series. Yeah, definitely. Um, One thing I did like, I did like uh, the redesigns of the characters, Mm -hmm. because um, they have sort of a more modern look to them now. Not that there was anything wrong with them the way... They looked before, but they retained even up to in the um, the first series the sort of like '90s look that they all had from the old games. Oh, so now they look a little bit more contemporary, and some of the characters look a bit older. So I don't mind that. Nice. Um, yes, Obari does bring the fan service of both kinds, both in the mecha action and in the boobs. Good God, he better. <laughs> there, there is no disappointment at all in the boobs, and if you are oh. the uh, the DFC persuasion, there's a little bit of stuff for there for you too. A very I little. I say that Aya and Lemon's boobs are kind of badly animated at times. Oh, they just kind of don't look very good. But well, boobs are are usually not so well animated in a lot of things. So what can you do? Not as bad as the Galg anyways. Ooh. that's a consolation prize. <laughs> <laughs> see anything else is sucks to me yeah the the ending um you can kind of the ending i think suffers the most from the amount of things that had to be cut down because you can tell people are just dropping like flies just because they got to get to the end right and then and in like, 24 yeah. and 25 especially 25 um you know some of these major characters like vindal are gonna take it out like nothing it's like well that was a little underwhelming that was hardly any battle yeah. But the final battle itself was satisfying, so that kind of makes up for things. So yeah. moving on, yeah. um, I want to talk about some big points that people had complaints about that were changed from the games. So first, let's let's go right into the elephant into the room, the, the carryover from the first series, the Huckbinds. Uh-oh. <laughs> they should have retitled 
the animate the inspectors. You come on in disguise. <laughs> so, uh, for those of you that don't know, Huck Binds um, are from the games. They were designed by Hajime Katoki, and basically they're Gundams. They look exactly like Gundams. There is oh, wow. no ifs, well, ands, or buts about it. In the original games, they were designed based off Gundams, so... Yeah. You know, they have... They have v- yellow V-fins. They have the little red uh, goatee. They have, you know, the, the dual eyes. They are exactly Gundam. You, you, could, wow. you could just rip them out and stick them in a Gundam show, and no one would know any better. The vanishing Gundam. Yes. That's cool. Well, this is where it's not cool when they made Divine Wars, and there's no Huckbinds except for one very small flashback featuring one. And... Um, now, in the second show, they replace the mass-produced Huckbine with a mass-produced version of another personal trooper. Wow. Right. And the other Huckbines that we see show up basically are in disguise as other robots. So we have the X-Bine, which is sort of a disguised version wearing sunglasses and, and no V-fin. Quattro mm-hmm. shades. The Quattro, Quattro shades. shades. And then we have the, uh, the Garbine, which Arcturi. is... <laughs> Which is one of the Mark III's disguised with parts from the Garlean, which is a mecha from the first show. Right. And it kind of makes some nods of like, oh, I know that's a, a Huckbine in disguise. So this is something that fans have debated about endlessly since the first series. What are your comments about the, the treatment of the Huckbine issue in, in this series, Peter? One of those things where we can only speculate because there's been no official word about why they can't show the, the UK beans. Because, I mean, there's... Like, people jump to the whole, oh, it's because they look like Gundam, and Bandai doesn't want things looking like Gundams and the other stuff or whatever, which kind of falls flat considering Bandai owns Banpresto, and so it's like, what, are they going to sue themselves? No, but that's, <laughs> that's not the issue. There, there is this thing called brand confusion. You know, I Bandai, obviously, obviously um, they put a lot of money into you know, building up Gundam as a brand over the last 30 years. And to have these Gundam-looking things in a game that features Gundams, that's one thing. But to have an anime with Gundam-looking things that is not Gundam can be confusing to people. And yeah, I can but see the that they don't that, want to mix that up. The problem with that is that they didn't remove the Wild Shrine. The Wild Shrine looks just as Gundam as the Huckabines. In the OG universe, the Wild Shrine is the basis for the Huckabine. But it's, it's a more fat-looking thing that's a little less Gundam, <laughs> less obviously Gundam-looking than the Huckbine. Right. I guess that's true. But so far, I mean, it's like... does, yes. The, if you look at the line art, the actual line art of the the Wildeschwein, yes, it's much more Gundam-looking. But if you look at it in the anime, it's all that that's been a bit toned down. I guess. But so far, it's like the treatment. I think it was treated sensically. I guess. Um, I mean, the whole thing with the Huckbine is that. After the whole black hole engine incident, mm-hmm. nobody wanted to use it because <laughs> they didn't want to get blown up. <laughs> well, that, that would that would be a deterrent. <laughs> yeah, but the way it was handled, like continuality wise, they gave Bullet a gun, a, a, a green gust, which makes more sense because Bullet's always been a super robot pilot, not a real robot pilot. So giving mm-hmm. a real robot Hukibine is like that doesn't really match up. And they just kept uh, Elzem in his uh, Garlean, which is fine. Um, so, I mean, sure, I like the Vine, but they don't really play that big of a role, mm-hmm. at least in OG1. Well, uh, so, if, if, you so hear, here, if you hear the most devoted fans bitch about it, these are like 
the most important robots in the whole freaking universe. <laughs> yeah, which is total <laughs> and BS. How dare, how dare they change things? I mean, the inspectors handled it well. Like, Bullet starts off in a mass-produced wild swine, which is supposed to be the mass-produced Hucubine, but, but that they based off the wild swine makes sense, because like I said, the wild swine is the basis for the Hucubine. So it makes sense that, okay, this is the mass-produced version of the wild swine, and it explains why it looks exactly like a Hucubine mass-produced type, only with uh, wing binders. Besides, so that, the, uh, that the makes X-bine, sense. Besides, the X-bine and the Garbine are pretty cool-looking. Yeah, so having them, they got around that loophole or whatever, that's like, oh, you can't have Hucubines in the anime. So it's like, okay, well, we have these two robots. It's like, aren't those Hucubines? No! <laughs> no, no, don't look at that. And don't the, look. And, the, and this is a Garbine. They're totally different things. So yeah, and they have some fun deep. with that in the show, with the dialogue of the characters, you know, like, oh, Garbine? Oh, uh, we know that's a Hucubine. You can't, you can't hide it. And <laughs> nobody is fooled by any of these disguises. But it was pretty neat, because... Um, yeah, the X-Bine is pretty cool, even if it's like most of its action is done with lots and lots of stock footage. Right. So, of all, uh, of all like the um, not-as-important characters and their robots, the X-Bine always got the most screen time, even if it was just stock footage, because, I, I don't know, I guess they wanted to advertise the figure that was coming out or something. But Well, they, they advertised it well enough to make me buy it, so... There yeah. you go. They reeled, in, they reeled in at least one sucker by showing that nice thing and all that stock footage. And a but, foreign one at that. Yeah, in, in <laughs> yes. the game, Yoto used a Hockeybine Mark III, and Rachel used the other Hockeybine Mark III, because they mostly, in the OG universe, they build units in twos. So the X-Bine is supposed to be the mid-gap between the Mark II and the Mark III, and it was designed to test the, the boxer and gunner parts, which is basically what the Mark III's main feature was, is that it could combine into the, with the boxer to form a mini SRX. And then you had the um, the gunner that could shoot stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, hence the name Gunner. But um, <laughs> No doubt. <laughs> I, want, I want to move on to uh, one of the most divisive issues that had so many fanboys bitching endlessly. Mm-hmm. Uh, first with lots of anticipation beforehand and then tons of bitching afterwards and you know what I'm talking about that's the the titanic fight between um, Sanger Zonvolt and Wudan Ymir Ooh. oh yeah Sanger is this really huge character within fandom right like he's toted as oh he's the awesomest of awesome and all that stuff and his name is spelled with a Z and <laughs> which it isn't <laughs> I remember um, from from the last review, you guys had uh, spoken about him. He was uh, a major player in the last series. I have a problem with Sanger because I just find him boring. He's that guy that shows up with a big sword and he cuts stuff up, and that's pretty much much all there is to him. So, you know, what do you expect out of a fight where he's fighting an android replica of himself from another parallel Earth? Wow. But I give Woden more credit. Like, I really like his character, too, for much the same reason I like Lamy is. is because he knows he's this puppet or whatever, but he doesn't want to be. He wants to prove himself as an individual existence, which is why he's so hell-bent on beating Sanger. He's like, well, mm-hmm. if I beat you, then that means I surpassed you, and I have become more than just this machine that was based on you. So, yeah, I like Woden a lot more, and I love the Threadgamir more than I do the uh, Didengard. And, um, yeah, so everybody is all hyped up because... Like, Sanger's awesome himself, but now you got him fighting himself, and that's going to be super, extra super special awesome, and yeah, it's going to be amazing, and blah, blah, blah. And then when 
And up to that point, I was like, oh, the Inspectors is pretty great. It's a lot better than Divine Wars. And yeah, this is such an awesome series. And then as soon as episode 22 aired, it's like, oh my god, this show's the worst thing ever! <laughs> they ruined the fight and stupid school storyline. Nobody likes the school. You should have had an entire episode of Sanger being awesome. And blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that's, that's pretty accurate. <laughs> you know, you, I, so, I mean, you had people complaining about it like, they somehow expected this fight to be animated on the level of, like, last few episodes of Gurren Lagann craziness. If only. <laughs> the, the thing is, like, there's a saying where a fight between two masters will either go on for an eternity or it'll be over in an instant. And it kind of fall. Sanger and Woden kind of fell to the second category, mm-hmm. where their fight wasn't that long. But, I mean, I'd still say there was some substance. Like it had plenty of substance to it. Mm-hmm. I was and, satisfied by it, but then again, I wasn't uh, a fool like massively hyping myself uh, beyond any realistic expectation for this. Yeah, and you have people like, "Oh, the Zinger one fight was lame." And, oh, Barry, you disappointed me. And oh, when when did he owe you anything? <laughs> or they, 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 they ruined the whole show for them? Yeah, I mean, the only problem is like that I would give credit for is that. Like, Woden, his death is that his machine just falls apart, and that's it. Whereas in the game, you had um, Egret show up with a bunch of match-produced uh, machinery children and stuff. And then, like, Sanger has this cool thing. The only moment where I'm like, yes, Sanger's really awesome in this scene, where he takes, like, the um, the main machinery children guy, he's just, like, takes it, cuts, cleaves it in half, and then his thing, like, normally he says, oh, oh I'm Sanger Sumvel, and the sword that cleaves evil... But this time, like, he was like, I am Sanger Sunville, I am the Sword of Sophia. Sophia being this hot scientist chick that mm-hmm. they were fighting to protect. So that was a really awesome scene. And then Woden, he takes his his giant sword, turns into this huge energy thing that goes on for miles. And then he just kind of just Damn. waves it across. He wipes out an entire, like, group of uh, Burglamirs along with Egret. And that's what destroyed his machine, though. Power overload made him blow up. Ooh. But here instead, he he loses this anger and he like he graciously admits defeats like you have bested me and take your prize. And then he goes and he takes um, Sophia, who is turned into like a biological core for a computer. Ooh. He, and she was controlling the um the devil gun cell esque machine cells that like upgrade things and mutate things and stuff. And that was basically what the machine cells were basically what was holding Woden's mech together. But instead, he pulls her out of the system. So that, like, removes the control of the machine cells, and he gives her to Sanger. It's like, here, take your prize. And then, like, you got that bitch at Gila. She's like, you fool, what have you done? You're going to... If you do that, then your thing will fall apart. And sure enough, it falls apart. So That's always a problem when your thing falls apart. (laughs) No doubt. (laughs) So he definitely goes out more of a whimper, but just Mm -hmm. the huge grin on his face when he does die, he's like, yeah, take that bitch. And his mask comes off, covering up, you know... That he's the exact double of Sanger? Yeah, his mask is broken in parts, and he's just got this awesome grin on his face. And then, mm-hmm. so even if he went out with a whimper, it was still pretty badass. Now, the, uh, so. the last fan bitching that I want to touch upon briefly, because this showed up a few episodes right after that, uh, you had massive fan bitching about um, Wendelo of the Inspectors being uh, corrupt by the Einstein, you had more bitching of, oh, this is stupid, this invalidates everything, blah, 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 wah, wah, wah. So, briefly, what do you make of that whole issue? 
I didn't really think too much on that issue. I thought it was an interesting change from the game. Because Wendelo, before, he was just a smarmy little bastard that's like, you know, you humans are just warmongering species, and I'm going to take your toys away from you, and I'll give you, a, give, I'll give you a spanking. And and he is a kid, mind you, so that, that's, that just belies what he's saying. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, yeah, him being honest, I was like, oh, hey, this is a really big change. It'll be interesting to see how this goes. And, like, I liked it just because it was different. It's like, oh... And it and it makes up for his his brother Mechibos. He had this sub storyline with Erm, where he kind of forms this kind of like frenemy relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Where like there's a scene I forget it was Mechibos or Vigagi, but he holds Ring's ho- Ring hostage, and that's Erm's girlfriend on and off girlfriend. Mm. And right. he's like, "Oh, are you gonna attack me now? I got your girlfriend as hostage." And Erm's just like, "Yep." <laughs> and then he, he attacks it's like what are you doing <laughs> or he, he goes to attack and it's like what are you doing and it's like rings rings all like yep shoot me come on <laughs> so it's like and, and Mechibos is really impressed by like their bond and that they had absolute trust that they would get out of the situation like later they're asking ring about it. it's like well why'd you tell him to shoot it's like no I am letting that idiot hit me <laughs> <laughs> so there was that and it had Mechibos is like, oh, hey, these humans aren't so bad after all. Maybe we could be peaceful with them. Maybe we don't have to wipe them out because they're gonna, just going to screw up the galaxy once they go into space. Right. That was their big motivation. It's like, oh, we got these humans here that they're really good at building military technology, but if we let them go out into the galaxy, they're just going to spread war everywhere. So they inspect them. It's like, yep, you guys, we got, we got to take you out. So, And that's why like Wendelow ends up killing air quotes him because mm-hmm. like Wendell is attacking them and Mechibos comes up it's like oh hey the humans aren't so bad maybe we should let them go and then Wendell's like oh brother you're being a, a wuss or whatever and then he just blasts them but here it's like Wendell is Einstified so Mechibos is like well you've been corrupted it's my duty it's your brother to put you down oh wow but that didn't turn out too well but no it didn't so uh, the last thing um to discuss is uh, if you could outline for us what are some of the major and minor changes from both original generation to the GBA game as well as the original generation's PS2 remake. Well, one from between the PS2 remake and the anime is that they don't have the originals from Super Roller Wars R in it. Mm-hmm. Their thing was they're from the Shadow Mirror Universe 2 and they accidentally get sent over to the uh, main universe when their time engine goes berserk. Which everybody's like, why did a time engine send us to another dimension? <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, um, the, the main guy of that, uh, Rao, he was around for most of the events of OG2 and the PS2 game. But his storyline doesn't have any relevance until OG Gaiden. So, so that's fine that they didn't have him in there. They could easily just have him show up in the universe sometime. And if they so choose to do an OG Gaiden anime, which I hope. Um, their major changes, um, the characters of Lee and Slay, they don't defect. Slay had that whole thing where it's like, oh, my brother chose the sucky pilot Ibis over me to pilot this, this super prototype weapon, so I'm going to be all offended by this, and I'm going to go join the DC. And then mm-hmm. she shows up as an enemy a few times, but here she's just, she goes with uh, Rachel onto the Kurogane immediately afterwards, and... Then she just shows up again to, when they um, 
screen the Tesla labs, and then she doesn't get seen again. She just flies off somewhere. Um, but a bigger thing was with the lead, the captain of the Shirogane. He does not like the protagonists at all. He's one of those guys that like, oh, a soldier should follow orders, and you should be following my orders. He's like, also a whiny bitch. Yeah. <laughs> but he's worse than the game because he joins the Shadow Mirrors. The, they capture the Shirogane, and we willing to leave decides, hey, I'll, I'll join up with you. You got these uh, W-series androids that just follow orders, and they're the ideal army, so I'm going to join you guys. So he captains the Shirogane for the Shadow Mirrors, and right. he's the one that kills Daitetsu in the game. Oh, wow. Where the Shirogane shows up and then blasts the Hagane's bridge, and then everybody wakes up, and Tetsu is okay, and it was only... Sugumi was on the bridge, but the anime gives a bunch of bridge bunnies. Um, <laughs> but then Dai Tetsu is mortally wounded, but he's, he still manages to be a badass right to the end. So in the inspectors, Lee doesn't defect. He sticks with the um, Earth forces the entire time, and it's uh, Vin Milva one. And disappears. Of course. Yeah, he kind of disappears because it's like, oh yeah, Shirogane is busted. We're going to transfer all your robots over to the Hagane, and they'll take care of things from here. And that did not please Lee at all. Um, they also cut out his subplot with Tetsuya because they went to the um, same officer school and Lee was top of his class, but Tetsuya was always second place. Mm-hmm. And Tetsuya doesn't, he doesn't think poorly of Lee, but Lee hates his guts. So it's like, well, why are you only just satisfied with being number two? You should aim to be number one and stuff like that. So they have a rivalry going on, especially when Lee defects and kills Tetsu, which culminates in a pretty awesome scene where... Later on, the Hagane, or the Hagane is messed up when um, Daitetsu is killed, so they switch to the Kurobogane, mm-hmm. and they use that for the rest of the series. And in the final battle against Lee, the Shirogane gets messed up, so Lee's like, oh, I'm going to ram into you with a last-ditch effort. And then Tetsu goes, Lee, did you forget what's on the bow of this ship? <laughs> of course, it's a giant drill. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> Tetsu like start off the Titanic drill and then he just owns Lee. He kills he kills Lee in the GBA game, but in the PlayStation 2 remake, uh, Lee gets to live and he just limps off. I guess. Oh wow. Which kind of sucks because it's like Lee's a really detestable bastard, especially after he killed Daitetsu because Daitetsu's this badass old captain. So it's mm-hmm. like you kill him off, you bastard. But so the anime spares him that. Like Lee is he shows up at the end. It's like yeah, let's. After the final battle, and everybody's kind of all exhausted, Lee shows up. He's like, "Yeah, let's let's uh, recover all these units and go home." So Lee got got to um, not be as much of a bitch, right? Oh. So he he just went to being this annoying stuff stuck up captain rather than this bastard who betrayed and killed Daitetsu. So there's that. Um, there are no root splits. So in the game, you're always like, "Oh, do you want to go to this place or this place?" And they divide mm-hmm. up ships. But they don't have that. They just have the ships are always together. Or once they meet up, they're always together. And there's some basic um, cutting and combining of events. And one of the major things is uh, the the Choki Jin. These uh, the the aforementioned ancient Chinese magical super robots. Right. They show up in episode two when originally they showed up like halfway through the game to get oh. um, Bullet and Kusa their upgrades. Mm-hmm. But instead. Episode 2 focuses on, oh, hey, we got these cho- these Chokijin thing under these ma- this mountain that they're excavating, and uh, 
Archibald, he's the resident complete bastard of the series. He's like, <laughs> yeah, my family's got some history with these Chokijin, so I'm going to go and take them for myself and stuff. And in the game, that happened once, and then they retreat, and then later they revisit the same mountain, and that's when the Ainz show up, and that the mountain is destroyed, and the Chokijin come out. But here, it's just episode two. You got the Ainz showing up, and then the Chokijin show up, but then they just fly away. They right. were seen again for like 16 episodes until... Then it's time for Bullet and Kusa's upgrade, which um, they gave, they use their Grungus Type 3 more because it's a dual seater. And in the game, the first mission they launched in that, that's when it got wrecked and then the Shokijin ate it and then became a Ryuko-O and a Koryuo. But, yeah, I, I understood right at the beginning. It was like, oh, the Chokijin are flying away. What's up with that? Uh, it's like, I knew that, okay, so later on they can just bring the Chokijin back whenever they need to. Mm-hmm. So they can just show up. They don't need to go all the way to China to get them. They can just show up whenever they have. And when they do get them, they're in uh, Winnipeg, Canada. <laughs> oh, no way. People getting turned into monsters <laughs> by the ice. <laughs> Yeah, man. the Ainz totally Zerg rushed everybody, and uh, tentacle rape, excellent. <laughs> Sucks um, to live in Winnipeg. And a, another big change was the character of Axel. He was, um, he's a high-ranking Shadow Mirror soldier. Come to think of it, him, Lemon, and Vindel are, are the only humans we see of the Shadow Mirror in the anime. And in the GBA game, he was a complete and utter douchebag. We're talking beyond Jared Mesa level of douchebaggery. That's that that is that is uh, legendary levels right there. He <laughs> his entire thing was he just wanted to fight Kyosuke. It doesn't matter which Kyosuke it was. It's just he had this thing for beating Kyosuke, and that was about it. That's all he cared about. And then him and Lemon were lovers, but he's just like, oh, she's just some thing I spend time with, whatever. Damn. And so he was a complete asshole. <laughs> but then Original Generation 2 came around, and they made him a lot more likable. He's more of a anti-villain. Where right. in, the, in the original, Beowulf was just the alternate version of Kyosuke that, that, kicked, that kicked Axel's ass, and that was about it. So, but then Original Generation 2 is when they introduced the idea that, that, uh, that the Shadow Mary Kyosuke, a.k.a. Beowulf, was Einstein infected. And that's what Axel was concerned about. He was concerned about the main world's Kyosuke becoming Einstein infected and then, like, ro- royally messing everybody up like he did their world. Right. So he's a lot, they made him a lot more likable character. And then when he was defeated at the end of the game, which is a lot, happened a lot earlier than in the anime. In the anime, he was around for the final battle, and he helped out there, whereas in the game, he actually got beaten for good before the inspectors were fought in the exact same level, actually. But that his change in OG2, or I mean OGS for the PS2, was um, what allowed him to come back in OG Gaiden as a hero. Oh, nice. So they set that up a lot. Like I like it a lot better in... Like, the anime where he... Like, he he's a pretty cool guy on his own. Like, there's nothing really hateable about him. And, mm-hmm. so yeah, he's just a lot more likable and more... His original... Like, he comes from Super Robot Wars Advance. Where he, right. Where he had a choice between him and Lamy as the main character. If he chose right. him as the main character, he has the whole enemy pilot with amnesia gets picked up by the heroes thing. <laughs> and he's just, like, like, a total flirt, basically. <laughs> He's <laughs> just a silly playboy in the original, and people like him like that. So they got more, more in line with that. So Axel became a lot more likable character, and then so it sets up pretty well him coming back 
because he just gets flung off into space at the end of the anime. Ooh. So it comes... So it sets up for him being picked up or whatever if they do an OG Gaiden anime so he can come back. And then, of course, in the game universe, he also goes over to the Endless Frontier universe where he's in the second game of that franchise. Well, that's pretty cool. So, yeah, Axel got a lot more likable. And the Ainz is stimulating people. That was new. Um, Shu does a lot more than he does in the original GBA game. In the original GBA game, he showed up twice, and that was it. And mm-hmm. it was just brief moments because the inspectors were looking for him. <laughs> There's one funny scene where Agia is like, Choose Shirakawa, funny running into you here, hand over the grands on. And then moments later, Masaki comes in and it's like, Shoo, funny reading, running into you here. And Shu just laughs. He's like, Why is everyone saying that today? <laughs> yeah, he shows up. He, um, in the game, there was a route where you can either go to the Earth Cradle or go to um, the Moon Cradle. Mm-hmm. But in the anime, they just go to the Earth Cradle, and then it cuts to the Moon Cradle, where Shu basically just freed everything single-handedly. He's just, the grandson's just floating there within a bunch of rubble, and it's just like, yep. <laughs> hey, that's off, off to do something else. And then he shows up to kill uh, Yugagi later and take out the Inspector's giant beam spam ship, where he's just like, yeah, I took your uh, black hole engine you gave us, and I improved it. How do you like that? <laughs> I'm just awesome like that. So I was really happy to see that because I love Shu. He's just so awesome. Um, All right. Anything else major worth mentioning so we can wrap this up? Um, I'll tell you something I wish they changed. All right. I wish they let Oka live, but unfortunately, it's not to be. Oh. That's another thing people complain about is the whole school storyline because you got the whole back in the day... The Mecha were so unrefined that only the, the, the toughest of the tough could pilot. Mm-hmm. Which is basically why you got, like, Sanger, Gilliam, and the rest of the ins- the, uh, the aggressors being these manly men. Because you had to be manly to control a machine back then. So that's why the whole school thing with this boosted children, where they conditioned pilots from birth, or wherever they picked them up from, to be able to handle the machines. So they basically went through all these horrible testings and whatever, and not many of them lived. Right. So, and they're mostly affiliated with the DC other than Latuni, who, um, who she's trying to find their friends, so they have the whole thing where it's like, oh, old friends are on opposite sides of the war and all that stuff. And it's, like, I've made fun of it a lot in, like, my reviews and stuff where most of their dialogue is, you're being manipulated. No, you're being ma- manipulated. No, you're being manipulated. I couldn't stand that after a while. It's like, oh my god! It's like, no, just shut up. Just take, just shut up. You're a moron. Conversation ping pong. <laughs> no, seriously. It's like I don't, I'm, I, I don't want to hear the manipulated person saying five times in one episode. No, you other person, you're being manipulated. And you don't know. It's like, no, you're, you're just so sad and pathetic. Just shut up. <laughs> oh, say, Ola, I don't like you at all. <laughs> but um. Yeah, so the the um, four of them that survived, they, um, Oka was their like big sister protector kind of character, and she spent most of the thing brainwashed, but then she breaks free of the brainwashing at the end. But first, she's too far gone because she used the um, game system, which is something that came back from uh, Divine Wars. Mm-hmm. That's basically like the the, the um, zero system on crack. <laughs> <laughs> so she. She gets um her uh, Rabi uh, Sage, which is um her 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 mecha gets upgraded into the Rabi uh, Sage um Phantom, mm-hmm. 
freaking French. Um, <laughs> so so <laughs> I hear you say that. That is funny. I'm not Canadian. Uh, anyway, so it was one of the series original series original Mecca, which has plenty of the like the series has plenty of original Mecca, and um, so that was. So that was new. Anyways, um, she gets strung up in this like really revealing outfit that I'm sure Chris was drooling over. And uh... <laughs> anyway, she she breaks free, but unfortunately she's like too far gone that she wouldn't last much longer. Anyways, so basically she has the suicide run to kill the Aguila by ramming a claw right into her face and blowing up. Ooh, that ugly old bitch deserves. So yeah, wow, that's brutal. So. <laughs> But her her death was always like it was really emotional, and I really felt for that scene. So so it's like her death wasn't just like some throwaway thing or whatever. And but I was it's just she was so cool, and her her mecca was so awesome. That would have been just great if she would have survived and been able to help out the good guys and whatever. But alas, it's not meant to be. As a whole, I I don't hate the school storyline. It's easy to poke fun at it, sure, but everything mm-hmm. like. Oh, this show should have been called the Inspector. Or, I mean, uh, Super Robot Wars OG, the school, because there's so much time devoted to the school, and they should have not devoted so much time, and they should have had more time to Wooden and Sanger. And Super Robot Wars, Super Robot Wars, Degrassi High. <laughs> <laughs> but really, like the school storyline was pretty important and encompassed a bunch of characters. And it even brought, like, the SRX team in it because Aguila had worked on some of them, too, and things like that. No, it's not done the way I want, so it sucks. <laughs> Pretty much. And I think that that can be the best way to, uh, to wrap all this up because we've been going on about this for, for a long time. So I guess, uh, what's your final verdict, Peter? Watch, don't watch? Yeah, definitely watch, but, of course, watch if you've seen Divine Wars. Yes, <laughs> please, for God's sakes. Watch Divine Wars first, because I don't know how many complaints I saw from people at the beginning of the season saying, oh, I don't understand. Because it's the sequel to a show that you have to have watched before this. Exactly. Exactly. It's like, but now, Barry and Cody did a great job of what they had to work with, because like I said, there was just so much in the game that fitting in 26 episode series was hard, but yeah. they pulled it off, they had some really exciting scenes, episode 26 was just balls to the wall awesomeness, even if it was like, like completely different from the final battle in the games, which again, it's fine, I like seeing different stuff. It was interesting mm-hmm. to see Beowulf cross over to the to to the main world and then have him be the final boss. Even though mm-hmm. I'm sad that Stern Ragusier didn't get to show up because I think that giant mutant turkey plant thing is pretty awesome. It's replaced by Wakamoto. <laughs> but I think Beowulf's show was pretty awesome. Having um, Axel help out, like he teams up with the heroes to take on Beowulf, that was pretty awesome. And just that scene where they he spawns the um, the Heinz copies of various mecha and then everybody gets a shot in on at them. You got like the, the opening theme song playing in the background and just everybody's blasting away with their ultimate attacks. And, like I freaking, I literally jumped out of my seat when uh, Lamia did her finish, finishing attack with the device. Cause I had been hey, hey, hey Peter, Peter, that's all cool and all, but when I said final verdict, that was not like a launch in for you to talk about even more stuff. That was to wrap everything up. From, from the sound of it, it, it sounds like uh, the creators of the show run into the same pitfall. Uh, the, the writers of the show run into the same pitfalls most people do when they when they adapt a, a, a video game into a, a TV series or a, a movie or something. It, but it looks like they overcame a lot of the, the so shortcomings. It's not like it's that. one of those painful video game adaptations. It's like yeah, 
pretty faithful to the game except for the things that they took liberties on. But it's not like, yeah. oh hey, let's have Mario and Luigi be father and son or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> That's horrible. Anyway. So, uh, yeah, final verdict. Give it a go. Yes, uh, I would say watch it, but again, for Christ's sakes, watch Divine Wars first, because otherwise you're going to just be uselessly complaining about stuff that you should have known about from watching. Who, who are these show. people? Why are they doing this? Why does this robot have a horn? Why is... Exactly, so don't bitch mm -hmm. about it if, if you haven't taken the steps you should have to be properly acquainted with things. And with that, that wraps up this segment. You've been listening to Gundam at MAHQ. <laughs> Man, is that Gundam? Yeah, man. Well, turn it up, man. Hi, I'm Mitsugi. And I'm Hatake. And we're the hosts of Anime Addicts Anonymous Podcast. AAAPodcast.com. Listen up, anime fans. Do you find yourself spending tons of money on anime DVDs and merchandise? Wishing you drove a Gundam to work instead of your car? Singing J-pop music in the shower? If you do any of these things... You might be an anime addict. At the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast, we have one mission, to turn your anime addiction into an obsession. We entertain our listeners with current anime news, celebrity guest hosts, hilarious discussion topics, and fair, unbiased review on current and past anime. Here are a few testimonials. I used to be a total anime noob. Now I know so much about anime that I can say, Spike was caught riding on a Tachkoma eating Poppy wearing a Hidden Leaf Village headband while looking at a foldout of Revy in a Death Note, and know exactly what that means. Now that I listen to the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast, I never have to watch a bad anime again. They watch them, so I don't. So visit us at aaapodcast.com and submit anime review requests on our forum and tune in on iTunes so you can always have the latest in news and reviews. So get obsessed with Anime Addicts at the AAA. And remember, we're here for you. I can't stand the silent treatment, Ibuki. Come on, I said I was sorry. Uh, Kagi, will you please just shut up? Ayama, you tell her. I didn't mean to say she wasn't dating. Things just pop out of my mouth sometimes. Besides, what does my opinion matter, right? I'm just a moron. Call me a moron, Ayama, please. No, really, Akagi, it's okay. You're just saying what you think, and what you think is that I'm undateable. Just some loser girl alone every night. I never said that. But that's what you were thinking. That's why you popped out of your mouth, right? I don't know, maybe. So, you admit it. Hey, you called me a maniac, remember? Yes, because what kind of man in his mid-twenties spends half his paycheck on toys? What? They're not toys. They're richly detailed model robots, and I love them. Shut up! Can you hear all this? You heard all of that? Oh, please, no! Come back here! I'm not finished with you! Gun Damn! Alright, everyone, uh, welcome back. Uh, this is Neo, and so concludes episode 77 of Gundam. And uh, in this episode, uh, joined always with uh, Chris and Soulbro, uh, we had a special guest. Um, we haven't heard from him in a while. He's uh, one of Canada's finest, and that is uh, Pedo Bear North, Destiny Gundam, everybody's favorite um, G Savior apologist, um, <laughs> Peter. Peter from Windsor, you're on. And uh, he. Not is, anymore. Well, he's not anymore, but 
uh, we sat there and we spoke with him about uh, these um, the sequel to Super Robots, uh, Super Robot Wars, and this is Super Robot Wars OG The Inspector. Uh, so we got all of um, all of Peter's thoughts on that, and uh, in this uh, shortened episode, uh, we just want to thank everybody for all their mailback submissions and new submissions. And uh, before we go, Chris or Solbro, is there anything on your docket that you need? Solbro, is there any um, what what litany of podcasts were you on this past week? <laughs> Me and Chris will go and uh, I'm, I'm going to go take five while you while you talk about this. Solbro will have to go wanting because he has not made it. I guess appearances of recently, but I would like to. Uh, I'd like to congratulate a handsome boy graduate that's part of our um, our, our team here at Gundam. Chris uh, recently graduated from uh, his studies at uh, FIU, correct? No, from from a, from a box. From a box, indeed. From a box. Oh, uh, he, he went to <laughs> Solid Street. He went to Solid Snake Academy. Yes. Graduated from the cardboard box. The champions. I, I got an honors <laughs> honors degree in uh, sneaking missions. There you go, man. All and, them years of playing Metal Gear since and, 1987, and, and, he's been and, enrolled. And reading Playboys and smoking cigarettes to calm your nerves. Yep. As and that. and beating up uh, alligators and and having that turn into. Uh, <laughs> Into rations instantaneously. Yes, indeed, man. Making that, making that snake meat sandwich. Yes. <laughs> Although I will give mention, thank you, um, that Chaos Theater episode four, which was recorded quite a while ago, <laughs> is finally out. And in that episode, we discussed Star Trek: The Animated Series with uh, this guy from some podcast. Some joker. Some joker. some some clown named Soul Bro. Not just any clown. The court jester himself. Yes, the court jester. <laughs> dance, jester, dance. Again, thank you for having me on, and it was a great discussion. We talked about amuse uh, me, jester. <laughs> we talked about Star Trek, the animated series, and um, if you want to listen to it, it's up now and and uh, ready for download at uh, chaostheater.blogspot.com. And um, I also want to say, as of this recording, uh, also um, on a, on a, uh, a tangent of. Uh, of congratulating Chris. Uh, happy birthday to you, sir. You, your birthday is tomorrow as of this recording, and I hope you have a blast, sir. And the, and there will be no Capcom games played. Oh, <laughs> for shame. <laughs> That's all I have to say. I but, don't have anything else to add. No problem. I'll also, check out these websites. Head on over where the magic happens. Mahq.net. That's the Mecca and Anime headquarters. Also, you can check out Gundam's main website at Gundam.net. That's right, it's spelled as it sounds. Also, you can find us on iTunes, Facebook, and um, other forms of social networking. If you look for those links, you'll find them at Gundam.net as well. After listening to this episode, you should definitely check out Chaos Theater. And you can find it by going to chaostheater.blogspot.com. A jack-of-all-trades otaku podcast hosted by MAHQ and Gundam's own Chris Guanche and our favorite pedal bear South, Pedro Cortez. And last but not least, Shinjuku Station has a movie podcast. Shinjuku Station at the Movies can be found at shinstation.blogspot.com. And back to you, Neo. And like always, uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us. And once again... Um, you know, uh, frequent our sponsors, uh, Champs and Petco. If you need anything for your pet or you need oh, some yeah. hot shoes or that uh, cool uh, jersey for whatever team, Stanley Cup's going on, NBA's mm-hmm. going on, possibly NFL maybe in a couple months from now, but you always got college. so. Or if your pet needs sporting goods. <laughs> that too. If, you're, if your pet needs shoes and your or feet jerseys. needs dog food. 
<laughs> you know where to go. If you want to dunk like Blake Griffin, <laughs> go to Champ Sports. <laughs> yeah, actually, because he had cool socks on when he dumped over that Kia. Damn right. Or was it a high end eye? I can't remember what it was. I think but it was a Yeah, I think it was a Kia too. But um, thank you, everyone. And we will be back in a couple weeks with episode 78. And I'm sure there'll be some hard hitting, uninformed, unresearched. Um, opinions and um analysis for you on that one so it, it might even be uh occasionally inane yeah inane too but we could and most throw definitely you, badly researched but we could throw you off by uh reading um reading reading up on what we're going to talk about on the crapper before we start recording so <laughs> i don't know but uh thank you or hitting <laughs> that too but uh, we will be back in a few weeks. Thank you. And you're listening to Gundam at MHQ. If the object of this whole battle was to lure the Zaft forces closer in, then in my opinion, this ship has already accomplished its mission. Note that I, Maru Ramis, captain of the Archangel, made this decision alone. No other crew member is to be held responsible for these actions. Don't put so much pressure on yourself. This ship will now abandon the battle area and begin to make its withdrawal. Signal the other ships. Tell them to follow us. Engines full speed. To port. We'll break through the left side of the bay. This won't be an easy escape for us, but we can't give up. I'm launching too. But, Commander... Don't worry about a thing. Have you forgotten? I'm the guy who's famous for making the impossible possible. Gundam at MAHQ is a Shinjuku station and MAHQ.net joint. A proud part of the AAA Podcast Network. so much a tribute episode to Bin Laden as a special f- eulogy to the big man. <laughs> Andy, and, I'm glad you enjoyed that. Yeah, I did thoroughly enjoy it. Andy, I expect to see that in a dictionary near me within two years. <laughs> Andy, you ended the last bugle by saying that after the royal wedding... The world had nothing to look forward to anymore. And while, yes, Saturday in itself was quite boring, apart from Chelsea tightening the gap on the Premiership (laughs) title race, you have to admit that Sunday really delivered. (laughs) What with that whole killing of the most wanted terrorist on the planet thing. That's right. Osama bin Laden, the former leader of Al-Qaeda and former living inhabitant of the planet Earth, was forced to surrender both of those titles around the time that a bullet developed a very strong attraction to his face. And he was a tall, handsome man, bin Laden, Andy, but I have to admit that I always thought that he'd, look, he'd have looked even better if he'd considered getting his left eyebrow pierced with a bullet. And I think I was right about that. I think his face was successfully accessorised with a piece of high-speed, pointy metal jewel. <laughs> it's a funny old world, though, isn't it, John? Because last week, most wanted man in the world. This week, a seriously malfunctioning submarine. 
Of course, the best place to have heard the news would undoubtedly have been Tampa, Florida, in the middle of the crowd of a live WWE wrestling event. <laughs> How do I know this? That's a fair question. Because I saw a clip on YouTube of a shirtless John Cena addressing the Tampa crowd <laughs> to deliver the news at the end of a bout, saying, I'm extremely proud after ten months of being your WWE champion. I walk out every night with hustle, loyalty and respect on my sleeve. <laughs> it's worth pointing out that at that point, he was sleeveless. <laughs> he went... He, he went. He went on Are to say, "Not the names of his dogs tattooed onto his arm." No, no, no. The the president has just announced. He went on to say that we have caught and compromised to a permanent end, <laughs> Osama bin Laden. Andy, that is magnificent rhetoric from the four-time tag team champion, inventor of the twisting belly-to-belly suplex, and self-styled doctor of thugonomics. <laughs> In fact, all of those things are true. In fact, if I'm honest, I prefer what John Cena said to the president's speech. (laughs) Caught and compromised to a permanent end, that is linguistically sensational. In fact, that phrase is not all that the president should have borrowed. I think he should also have walked into the East Room of the White House and said... I walk out every night with hustle, loyalty, and respect on my sleeve. I think you should also have done that shirtless in a pair of cut-off jeans holding a wide microphone before leaving to rock music and fireworks. I don't think anyone would have begrudged him that.